control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our website are free. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their sites. We give ours away, including uh, everything you'll find there. The site has changed gears for 2010. It is now FTL 2.0, where you actually create the content for the website. So you can go on there, register for an account, and then uh, submit news stories, blog posts, your thoughts, whatever it is you want, videos, etc. Other listeners can then vote them up or vote them down depending on how they feel about them. You can also vote up and down things there as well. So head over to freetalklive.com and get interactive. Uh, and that's in, in many cases where we'll get our show content from. But right now our show content is coming from uh, one of the newsmakers up here in the Liberty Movement. Uh, Sovereign Curtis is on the line with us from Murphy's Tap Room in Manchester, New Hampshire. Fresh out of a jail cell. Uh, Curtis, welcome to the show. Do we Thanks, have you? Dan. I'm oh. going to have to give myself a new name, at least for the short term. I'm thinking uh, Jailbird Curtis. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll have to work on it. Well, there's, uh, you, you know, you're not an inmate anymore, so maybe you could just be outmate. Outmate. Oh, <laughs> How about me? <laughs> so, so Curtis, uh, yesterday it's been just a uh, crazy few days up here, and of course we talk to our listeners a lot about uh, the Free State Project and and the fact that we've got all these liberty-minded people moving here and becoming activists if they weren't before or bringing their activism here. Uh, and of course, you are a, uh, I believe you are a Free State Project participant. Is that correct? I am a participant and a mover. Yeah, you moved, uh, what, last summer after the Porcupine Freedom Festival? Yeah, I came up for Pork Fest and just stuck around. That was the plan. Very cool, and it is uh, it has worked out well nice. so far. Uh, you've you moved out to the Keene area, and uh, you've been here for a little while. But you came out to Nashua over the weekend, as did a lot of uh, free staters and liberty activists up here in New Hampshire. Uh, you were there on Saturday when the Nashua police cracked down and cracked down hard with what what appeared to be, by all the video footage, uh, the entirety of their police force, at least. Whoever was on duty that uh, that day, and it, it seemed to me like they might have even put extra people on duty for this particular uh, affair because they knew that the 420 celebration was going to be going on in the in the park. They sent out undercover cops. They arrested one local who happened to be there, the you know one of the few uh, black people that was in a huge hundred plus crowd of uh, of mostly uh, Caucasians. They targeted the the you know the one black kid. Uh, they went after him, and then another activist was arrested for standing in front of the car, and another one was arrested for videoing the police uh, from the street you were there for all of that you came back the next day on sunday i was there for for it on sunday they did nothing sunday so at that point you called for weekly cannabis celebrations to happen in nashua on tuesdays and you went out tuesday afternoon to to kick that off yep and um uh it was uh myself and my roommate and um Slowly and trickled a couple, four, a couple, a few more uh, liberty um, activists, and um, it was maybe uh, it wasn't a real nice day, but it stopped raining, so that was a good thing. Um, There's maybe uh, half a dozen or eight of us there. It was a major drop um, in attendance from when, the uh, from the from some, uh, some people we didn't know started showing up, and uh, I, there had been some some young kids uh, there. Uh, right when we got there, and, and they had been there the day before, mm-hmm. and they said that 33 locals had showed up. So I was really excited about the prospect of a bunch of locals showing up. Um, 
so when, you know, some, some guys walked up smiling, asking to hold some signs, um, and join in on the fun, you know, there, I didn't have a problem with that, obviously. I, I was sure. hoping they were uh, genuine locals who uh, were interested in, you know, participating in a, a freedom outreach. Event. Right, as opposed to being lying sharks who were uh, preparing to harm peaceful people, preparing to kidnap somebody. That's correct. And, you know, I've learned that Nashua has quite a large undercover um, force. It's um, They've got quite a large force, period. Um, but their undercover force is uh, is probably second to none in uh, New Hampshire. It's, it's quite impressive <laughs> if you if you go for that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not much of a fan, but hey. So what happened next? I mean, you guys were hanging out. You're holding signs. Uh, was cannabis being smoked at that point? No, there was no cannabis smoke going on. Um, these guys saddled up next to us, started asking some funny questions, and um, and then something took place. And uh, the guy talking to me immediately said, oh, I'm going to call some friends of mine and see if they want to come out, hang out. And what he was really doing was calling the undercovers that were, um, you know, around the block, the same undercovers that had come in, uh, uh, come into the event on Saturday. Hmm. So the two, the two guys that we encountered were new undercovers, at least new to me. I hadn't seen them previously. But the ones that um, came running up behind me were the same Red Sox wearing, you know, <laughs> jackasses from yep. uh, Saturday. And people can see the video footage of all of this, uh, Saturday's events and your arrest uh, from yesterday. It's all up at freekeen.com right now. You can see the, the – when you were arrested, Curtis, it was particularly outrageous uh, because uh, I, th- I believe Ryan, one of the activists up here, was filming with his uh, his his iPhone or something like that because he was clicking it, so it was going out live. And uh, the cop refused to identify himself. He refused to even give a badge number. I mean, it was so, like, Nazi SS secret police. Yeah, and, and um, you know, this is a trend that I'm sure you've, you know, you've noticed this isn't something new, um, the militarization of the police force and the lack of accountability. And uh, uh, we've come up with a little idea. We're going to start making wanted posters of all these undercover jokers to make sure <laughs> everyone knows what they look like and complete completely out them. We don't want them to be able to do their job harming these people anymore. I always thought yeah, that was you a know, good if, idea. If undercover cops did anything, anything besides bust people, peaceful people that want to buy and sell um, you know, things that they own, then you know, I, I would have a problem with this. But that's not what they use undercovers for. Undercovers are to perpetuate the drug war, which does nothing but uh, harm constitutional rights, uh, put, put innocent people, people that, that haven't done, ever done drugs, in danger because of the, um, because of the drug war and you know, how it drives up prices and things like that. This needs to stop, and I, I support that completely. Hey, Curtis, I got an idea I'd like yeah. to just throw in there. I, I've, I, I think there has been some level of popularity for the idea of essentially cataloging all the police. And I think that's certainly an even better idea of make sure, making sure to get as many of the undercovers as we can. We certainly have uh, their photographs or at least still frames from videos that we can use. But I think that it would make also sense to put that online so it's permanent, not just wanted posters, but a, uh, a dedicated website where people can go to to you know identify undercover cops and other cops uh, from various different police departments across New Hampshire. And, of course, other people around the country can certainly use these ideas, too. Uh, DangerInNewHampshire.com? I don't know what the uh, URL should be, but I think that uh, if you're going to make wanted posters and put all that time into something you know, transitory like a poster, it should go on online permanently. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know our generation. When we 
kicked around this uh, idea of a wanted poster, I don't think we were thinking exclusively in, in paper and pen. Right. Very good. You know, and one um, thing that uh, bureaucrats hate that's is... The, that's a really good thing. One thing bureaucrats hate is they hate cameras, and oh, I think yeah. that I think that it's it's one way for activists to flex their muscle is just to it doesn't really matter whether it's undercover cops or not, but I think undercover ones are, are probably a, a primary interest. But uh, all police officers all across the state uh, that have given activists trouble, well, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't wouldn't put their uh, absolutely. Up. There's actually a, already a website called Rate My yeah. Cop. But it's more of something that's coming from kind of a positive perspective on police, or at least that's the impression I got from uh, from the site. Not that I don't think there aren't good cops out there. I think that there are. But it would be more interesting, I think, to have our own sort of police encounter website where people can describe what their encounter was like with Officer So-and-so and you know, kind of write a little review of the cop or something like that, just as a, a possibility to. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I wanted to point out I did meet a couple, um, or at least one officer who I, I, I was very proud to have met. He um, he works for the Nashua Police Department, and he was in the Nashua. Um, it's the Nashua Police Department, but they got a little jail in there as well. And mm-hmm. he was, you know, kind of uh, working in the jail type section there. And um, and he got it, man. He got a whole lot. I was talking to him about voluntary associations, uh, competition, and uh, the, the defense market. Curtis, can you can um, you stick what, around and really tell us about hey Curtis evolution fund. Cur- when I mentioned that he was like man I got to get up with you guys talk Cur- about some of this stuff that'd be great Curtis um, can you hang out with us for a little so, bit while longer and tell us about your jail experience Curtis. you got it all right hang on dude we're coming up with Curtis uh, sovereign Curtis from Keene uh, and he was uh, taken to jail last night for pot we'll uh, talk about it have you been thinking about starting a website I'm gonna tell you about a great offer from hostgator HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. You can dial in and bring up anything, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got different ways for you to keep uh, in the loop with Free Talk Live. You can get emailed updates. You can follow our Twitter profile. You can become a fan of our Facebook page. You can do it all at news.freetalklive.com. Do one, do three, do however many you want. News.freetalklive.com. Sovereign Curtis, one of the many, uh, one of the 800 activists up here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project is on the line with us after having spent the night in the Pokey in Nashua, New Hampshire. Or I guess they took you up to Manchester. There's a jail up there. At least uh, 800. You were arrested yesterday on some charges that were absolutely outrageous. They're charging you with a felony uh, in regards to uh, marijuana, which is a first, actually, uh, Curtis. I don't know if you're proud of that. Uh, but, <laughs> Yay. But uh, I don't think... <laughs> it's not my first. <laughs> 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 I, by that I meant a, a first as far as activists in New Hampshire uh, being arrested for things. We've got we they usually got they usually hit people with misdemeanors. Well, so, that's that's exactly what I was expecting, Ian. I was I was floored when I learned that I was being charged with um, felony distribution. I, I, wow. I, I really, I mean, I'd like to get into it more. Um, we're gonna have uh, um, 
I, I really can't do too much talk about it because we're going to have a um, probable cause hearing April 5th, and I'm hoping that um, the state's un- uh, case will unravel at this probable cause hearing because um, the the case for felony distribution is so, so weak. It's Normally ridiculous. the state so doesn't have... Very, I mean, I'm, I'm not a political guy. I'm not a, I'm not a fight it in the courts guy, but I'm very excited about them. Um, taking on the state in this respect, because I think we have a very good chance of, uh, or I have a very good chance of not becoming a double sub. <laughs> well, I, I hope that you'll continue to uh, to keep us in the loop here, and we'll, we'll keep having you on to uh, to update folks as to what's going on with the situation, because I know a number of our listeners are, are keeping an eye on things here in New Hampshire and interested in, in seeing what's happening uh, up here and, and, and supporting from far away. So uh, I'm glad that you're out of jail, but let's take it back to uh, the day of. You were arrested by some undercovers. They popped out. They got you. Uh, you were the only arrest on Tuesday, this following a weekend uh, of where they arrested people on Saturday at the same location. So you had actually called for these uh, continued 420 celebrations in Nashua, where they haven't actually happened prior to this weekend. They've been happening every single day in Keene. In fact, uh, I was there in Keene today, and they were still going on. Uh, the police have been leaving them alone in Keene, but Nashua cops have been cracking down. They got you on Tuesday, and they didn't arrest anybody else. So what happened after you ended up being carted away from the, the scene? What sort of highlights or stories uh, do you have to share? Okay, well, the first thing they did was um, they uh, took me into one of their undercover cars. I, I can't remember quite, but it was probably a, you know an Impala or something along those lines. And they, um, they hurried me along to a... Um, uh, to the Margaritas parking lot in Nashua, where they had a um, paddy wagon waiting for me. Wow! Just waiting. So they transferred me into that, and and um, uh, I mean the guys, these undercovers, you know, I, uh, I I don't respect them for some reasons, but they they were um, uh, they they these you know New Hampshire has got a, a quality uh, crop of law enforcement officers that um, they they don't uh, so much get off on cracking skulls as as some of their uh, fraternal brothers in other states. So these guys were, were um, you know, even though they were doing something I don't agree with, they were uh, polite about it and, you know, they were accommodating on, you know, little things that, that matter in a situation like that. Um, so they stuck me in a paddy van and uh, took me to uh, the Nashua Police Department, and that began, you know, my, uh, I'm surprised to say it's only, it was only a 28-hour ordeal or so, but it sure felt longer than that. I bet. Um, and at this time, I'm still thinking, puny little misdemeanor, you know? This is nothing. This is nothing I can't handle. So you know what? I'm going to play tough, and I'm not going to give them any information, and that's what I started out doing is, is playing the tough guy and trying to emulate some of uh, some of the others in the movement who have come before me and, and tried this tact before. Mm-hmm. Um, in hindsight, it was a bad idea. <laughs> I'll go ahead and admit that now. I, I would have been much, much better off uh, complying right away, and um, I would have been in my home, in my bed that night, um, sleeping. Uh, well, I'd been sleeping because I did not sleep that night at all. So, so you think they would have uh, let you out on a, on a uh, prior to being arrested? Curtis, you think they would have let you out on a felony charge if you'd given them your information? Um, I, th- I think yes. Uh, I would have seen uh, the magistrate. He would have, um, or the the bail. I guess they call it the magistrate here. He would have set a bail. I'm thinking it probably. My bail currently is um, three thousand dollars. I'm thinking it might have been a little bit less than that, but I can't say for sure because still at that time I was thinking misdemeanor. Um, but uh, I-, I think that maybe uh, at the very least I would have got the same bail 
and maybe I just could have been out sooner, you know, and that would not have been a bad thing because, you know, I tried to play it tough. The the booking agents do not like it when you do not cooperate. I, I got um, the booking agent in Nashua and in Manchester very upset with me because I just would not cooperate with them. I was being friendly, which they didn't like either, <laughs> um, but I was not uh, – I, w- I was being very principled, non-cooperative. I, I was very proud of the stance I took. Um but, but you regret it now, looking back. Well, yeah, I, I, I do because, well, I do and I don't. You know, it was it was not a happy thing spending the, the 26 hours not sleeping. Well, the, right. I mean, the, you, you um, can pretty much the, expect that. The holding that. cell I was in was uh, a large cell with nothing but concrete and steel. Um, nice. Steel beds, quote unquote. I mean, it's just, you know, a flat piece of steel. They didn't even get on. you a mattress? Not exactly. uh Again. You you didn't get a mattress while you were in there? Oh no 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 oh, no no <laughs> not at all. Not if you don't cooperate, there's nothing they're going to do for you. I, yeah. I think that had I been um, processed in Manchester early enough that I would have been assigned a bunk with a roomie um, or a celly as they call it. Um, but I did not, so I ended up staying in, in basically the, the the horrible holding cell. Um, that and, and these they, they only let me keep basically one layer of clothing. That so laying sucks. on the steel bed, quote unquote, uh, just in ten minutes it would it would suck the, the heat oh, right out of me. So there's no brutal. way I could sleep there. It, it, I spend most of my time doing push ups or pacing the room or whatnot. And I'm, yep. I'm I'm surprised I'm still awake as I am now because I've done nothing but uh, drink two percent milk and and pace the room. How did the you? Last how did you? Hours. How did you finally get in touch with the other activists on the outside who ended up uh, helping get you out? Okay, I did want to talk about that. I noticed as soon as I was getting arrested and and, and being pulled away that the um, my fellow activists at the um, at the event were were already packing it up and heading to the jail, and they actually beat me to the jail because I took that you know that route to Margarita's first and then to the jail. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they beat me to the jail and they were doing what you know you'd expect in this case, asking how I was and how they were treating me and such, and they were treating me just fine. Um, so I I guess I didn't really need to. Uh, reach out too much. They already knew what was going on, but I did call my roommate once I was able to. I let gotcha. him know I was doing okay and, and what the story was. And um, But there was a few other things that, that really um, really made me smile, really made me happy inside. Well, if the, you want to stick around, I'd like you to tell me. If, earlier, every Curtis. now and then he'd come by and, and give me a little bit of news. Like he Obviously told me that there was um, cell phone, people calling the booking agent there and telling talking. him that he was a <laughs> That's just how phones work uh, sometimes. So, you know, Curtis, and, Curtis, and, I've been um, talking over you this whole time because we gotta run, we got to run. Hang on. We'll bring you back if you want to uh, tell your stories. I want to hear them. So hang on. More with uh, Sovereign Curtis, hopefully, if he can stick around. I know he's at... Uh, He's hanging out. The activists are coming out to give him a uh, welcome back celebration. There's more coming up. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Toll House Refrigerated Cookie Dough. There are a million reasons to bake with Toll House. Find yours at VeryBestBaking.com. Whether it's sweet potatoes on Thanksgiving or burgers on the 4th of July, kids associate certain foods with certain occasions. Family traditions are important to them, so when planning your holiday or birthday menu, keep in mind what they like most and invite the kids to cook up a new food tradition. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want by dialing in toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you. And those features include our listen lines. Uh, They're phone lines that you can call. If you can call long distance, you can call these numbers. Uh, Obviously, you'd have to pay any sort of long distance fees you might might normally incur. But listening to the show via these phones is free. There's no charge to actually use the line itself. So if you've got got a cell phone with free nights and weekends, you can listen nights and weekends for zero cost. 760-569-7752 is the number you need for uh, Free Talk Live 24 hours a day. 760-569-7752 for our listen lines. When uh, dealing with the legal system like uh, Curtis is here, it's uh, good to know how to use the rules. Even if you're going to have an attorney, it's good to know how the legal system works just so that the uh, attorney isn't throwing all kinds of charges at you that uh, they shouldn't be. Go to Jurisdictionary.com. It is a system that allows you to take your, uh, you know, to learn how the, the legal system works, to take your own stuff to court. Um, it is something that a, an eighth grader can grasp in less than 24 hours. There's a five-hour video seminar. Um, two-hour audio, uh, 2.5-hour audio classroom on two CDs and uh, 15 in-depth reference tutorials. Jurisdictionary.com. I'm, uh, yeah, I've been studying it a little bit here and there, um, and I think it's it's great. It's also recommended by Sam, who's a co-host on this show. Also, Jurisdictionary.com. Sovereign Curtis is with us. He is one of the Keniacs, one of the movers to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. He was arrested on Tuesday on marijuana distribution charges for, I guess, hanging out in the park and and smoking up. Uh, As people have been doing here in New Hampshire on a regular basis, the 420 celebrations have been going on now for months in Keene, but Nashua's never seen them before. So weeks and weeks and weeks have gone by in Keene where we haven't seen hide nor hair of a cop, but yet Nashua, when they started up over the weekend, decided to crack down. They arrested three people on Saturday. Uh, They arrested Curtis. Uh, They arrested you, Curtis. You're back with us here on uh, Tuesday. And they actually had a paddy wagon there because I, I guess they were prepared to make mass arrests, but... Because there aren't really that many people that are doing activism in Nashua, it was a relatively small turnout. This past weekend, the Liberty Forum was going on, so there were hundreds of activists in Nashua. It wasn't a problem to get a whole lot of people out there. But uh, the momentum for the Nashua event just it wasn't there as compared to what's been happening out in Keene. So there's a relatively small turnout in general. You said six to eight people, I think, earlier. So I, I don't know how many of them were, uh, were smoking, uh, but it didn't sound like too many. So... Curtis, you wanted to tell no us. No one, no one was smoking yet. Ah, so they okay, yeah, and I don't know what all the details are with your arrest, and I don't think you, I don't know if you wanted to go there. I know you've got the the case pending, so we might hold off on that till later. But you had a couple positive uh, stories you wanted to relate, and I uh, wanted to make sure you had a chance to. Yeah, I was very impressed by my fellow activists' uh, efforts um, to support me while I was um, uh, behind bars. It, it wasn't always easy to know what was going on, but I knew they were going back there. And, and uh, the, the nice officer I mentioned earlier, every now and then uh, when I was in Nashua, he'd, he'd uh, drop off a little information with me. Like uh, he'd mentioned that some activists were calling the local booking there and letting the uh, booking agent know how they felt. Um, I also found out, and I haven't really got any confirmation of this, but he convinced me because he knew all the right things to say. He told me that today there was some sort of open carry protest in the Manchester's uh Valley Street Jail, actually in the lobby, he said, um, and and he convinced me that's because he said, "Do you know what free staters are?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm one." <laughs> He's like, uh, well, "Is there any reason they'd be doing an open carry event at the jail?" I was like, "Oh, geez." <laughs> wow, I I, I so, actually uh, had not heard of that. And, so. and, 
You have heard of that or I, had not? No, I had not heard of that. But then again, I, word doesn't reach uh, me what happens in Manchester unless it's sent out over uh, via the Pork 411 messaging system that we have set up up here. And, and I didn't hear anything about that. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. So, yeah, and I, yeah, and I haven't gotten any confirmation of it yet from the, the people that uh, have been uh, – there was, there's been four or five people that have been uh, waiting for me to get out of jail just practically all day. Um, and, you know, I, I do appreciate the effort they put through uh, to get me out. Uh, when I found out I was getting charged with a felony, I, I sunk into a bit of a, a depression funk there because I had been thinking along this whole time that I was going to go in front of the judge and the judge was going to release me on my own recognizance because it's such a small charge and I'd already been in jail for a day and, you know, the, the penalty for what they were going to charge me, what I thought they were going to charge me, would, wouldn't exceed much what I've already what I'd already served. Um, so when I found out that I was being charged with a felony, and I was no longer, you know, personal recognizance was completely off the table. The the uh, the state's um, representative at the arraignment asked for a six thousand dollar bond, and oh man, it was I, <laughs> I kept a pretty straight face. It was a video arraignment. Um, kept straight face and I said, Your Honor, I'd like I'd like six thousand less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the judge split the difference. Yeah, the judge split the difference at three thousand and that was still quite out of my reach. Um started calling some bail bondsmen and and they wanted uh one guy wanted almost a thousand dollars for a three thousand dollar bond. Um oh which was much, much more than I was thinking. So yeah, it's the only, point, it's the only kind of usury that's still I legal. I'm going to sit in jail until April 5th now, or until I get a lawyer and, and get a, and ask for a bail review hearing, which can be done in 24 hours. Um, but at that point, I really didn't want to spend any more time in jail. So yep. Well, you know, one thing's for sure is... I said, give me some good news, and he had good news for me, and i, I got to tell you, it brought me right back up. You um, mentioned the not getting info that you weren't... just yet who was responsible, but uh, a group of... Loving, caring activists that I'm so glad to count as friends up here came together, and um, they actually uh, came together in excess of what was needed. Um, wow. <laughs> some people showed up just a little bit after I had got bailed out, and they had brought money to bail me out. So it was uh, very, very heartwarming to realize that I had all this support. Um, you know, you, you think you do, but when you find out you really do, it's it's Totally different. Do, you, do you think that you would have had that level of support had you been, I think, it was it North Carolina uh, where you came from? Would that have been there for you? No, 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 no. Maybe, maybe I could have. Um, no, it's it's so different. I, 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 you can't really compare the two. When you come to New Hampshire, it's like changing, um, changing, going from a little league field to uh, a major league arena, mm. and the game changes quite drastically. And so back home in New Hampshire or North Carolina, we'd uh, there was a lot of fear, and there was a whole lot of lines we would not cross. Yeah, that we cross daily here in New Hampshire, which is so much fun. Yep, it um, is so fun. I, I I don't think I would have got in. I, we wouldn't we wouldn't have had 420 rallies in North Carolina, so this probably wouldn't even happen. Oh sure, sure. I mean, I just meant if you were busted for something, you know, would you have had that level of. Uh, level of support out there you know uh, i think that uh, I, I wonder how long it's going to be for the national nashua pd figures out that in fact many of the free staters the 420 activists that consider this fun 
Yeah, they, they didn't uh, make a rest, by the way, today. Uh, folks were out there again today in Nashville at 420. I don't know it's what... It's a complete th- waste of their time to go after these people. I know that Rich Paul uh, <laughs> made the trip out there from Keene, uh, one of the original guys behind the, the 420 celebrations. So he made an appearance, uh, and apparently the cops showed up and harassed uh, one of the activists for using a megaphone, tried to get him to show ID. He refused. The cops backed <laughs> down, uh, and the cops went away. So no arrest today. So it's like one day they arrest people, the next day they don't, uh, the next day they do, the next day they don't. So who who knows where this is going to go from here, but one thing you can count on is these activists do not give up. And one arrest, two, two arrests, four arrests in, in uh, as many days has not dissuaded them from continuing. In fact, if anything, it has encouraged them. They've taken what you'd originally scheduled as a weekly uh, event and begun doing daily uh, 420 events there in Nashua now as a result of them arresting you yesterday, Curtis. So uh, I think what they were trying to do was target you because you'd kind of made the announcement of the, the 420 things happening on Tuesdays there, and t- they do like to go after the people they perceive of as the organizers because they believe that everything is organized the way their police department is with, you know, one guy at the top and then guys below them and guys below them, uh, but it's not like that. It's completely decentralized. Everybody does what they think is right. If somebody gets arrested, somebody else steps up usually to fill their shoes, and, you know, it's not like anybody elected you, uh, Curtis. You just, you know, you stepped up to say, let's do this, and other people turned out. So, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners briefly? Because we're we're going to let you get to your party. People are waiting to hang out with you. I know that. Yeah, the, well, the, Nash, the Nashville police kind of threw me for a spin because Saturday they were out there making arrests. We were back out there Sunday, and they, they passed by many a time, and they'd honk, they'd wave, they'd nod their head. And I said, I said uh, many times that it looks like these guys in Nashua have caught on a lot faster than they did Manchester or Keene, but I was obviously proven yeah, wrong. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Uh, Curtis, look forward to seeing you back here. In, look forward to seeing you back here in Keene, and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for being on the show tonight. Thank you, Ian. Have fun out there, dude. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into Free Talk Live, get on more radio stations around the country, and bring more Internet listeners on board with the program, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. So head on over to amp.freetalklive.com. Just saw a neat little post over at the Free Keen Forum uh, today. There's a new user there who said that Free Talk Live was able to convince his partner about some ideas that he's been trying for a long time to uh, to convince his partner about. And so it's, it goes back to what we were talking about last night is if you're having a if, – if it feels like your family members or your friends are – you know, this wall for you that you just can't break through with the ideas of liberty, let somebody else try. You know, let uh, let a stranger come in, basically, and, and do the persuading for you. For whatever reason, people 
they just discount uh, what uh, the people they care about have to say. Well, you, I mean, when when you when you're dealing with somebody one on one, there's all these uh, things that go into the relationship. Uh, you know, talking to people. You know, there there's all this this stuff, this baggage that goes with the relationship mm-hmm. with with whom you're speaking, things like that. So um, when you you know an expert, that's a person they don't know, um, comes in and talks about a particular issue, they can often be much more convincing because there's the baggage isn't there. Also, when you're talking about radio. You know, nobody's there to judge them in the way that they might have been wrong on an issue, so um, or whatever. You know, they don't they don't have to feel that level of judgment. So plus, it's not as easy to talk back to what you're hearing, I guess, if you're an you know, unless you're on the phone with us, because then you just kind of have to listen, right? Yeah. All right. So help other people find freedom. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. You can use PayPal or uh, some of our other alternative options, as well as a secure credit card form. So we got a lot of ways for you to get involved. Plus, you'll get perks like access to the amp only call in lines, the commercial break free po- uh, podcast that we have just for amplifiers and more. Get all the details. Get signed up. Amp.freetalklive.com. If you're using other search engines besides startpage.com, they are cataloging your information, using it to uh, to better be able to advertise uh, to you, to sell your information to uh, you know people that uh, that want to advertise with them, and they're you know in some cases giving that information to the government. Startpage.com, that won't happen. You will be completely private in your search, and if you use the proxy link that's beneath every one of the uh, search results. It'll be completely private when you go to that website, too. It's startpage.com. Check them out at startpage.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We continue here. There's a lot to discuss tonight. Coming up, Mark, uh, we're going to do something fairly unusual. And you got me a little bit excited about a political candidate. Excited enough to say yes to an interview on air. That's pretty excited for you. Yeah, because politicians are discussing distasteful to me i find them despicable liars and even in, in the liberty so-called liberty movement i am turned off by most of the people representing themselves in the world of politics as supposedly pro-liberty people like Rand paul for instance uh this person who is the son of ron paul uh who i like ron paul and i like what uh, what he has to say on almost everything and Rand paul I don't like as much of what he has to say on uh, some of the issues that Ron Paul would be good on. He doesn't get so, uh, and I don't really want to tear, you know spend too much time tearing him apart. But he's particularly bad on immigration, and uh, and he still wants to continue the war in Afghanistan or something like that. Like he was, he's okay with. I didn't with think it was the war in Afghanistan. I thought he wanted to, to put uh, troops on the borders. I thought that's what it was. I think he wants to. I think he wanted keep, to build the, keep the prisoners at Gitmo. I think he wanted to. Uh, what it was that he wanted? He wanted. He had some crazy like underground fence plan. Uh, oh gun yeah. Turrets. Well, that's all you can have when it comes to trying to keep uh, illegal immigrants from coming in the country. Is all you can have is some kind of crazy plan because right. helicopter it, pads. That was one of the be, things he it'd wanted. It'd be crazy. I mean, yeah. it's, it's impossible. Yeah. It's so he, so he's like a total fascist in that area, and it was really scary when I heard about that. So when we talked about, it, of course, it upset people because, well, how dare you question the son of Ron Paul? How dare you? We need solidarity in this movement. That means getting behind people who are advocating things that aren't freedom. Oh, and then the other thing they said was, well, he was just lying. Oh, don't worry. He's just telling lies so he can get elected, and then he'll actually be liberty-oriented. And I'm sorry. If that's true, that's even more reason for me not to, uh, to support him. I'm not going to support somebody who's 
their their approach to a campaign is to lie to people about their belief system. I believe in liberty, and I'm I like Harry Brown, who was the uh, the last one of the last political candidates I really was excited about, uh, the 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 presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party in the year 2000. Uh, he was in that presidential race not to win but to get the ideas of liberty out into people's heads to get principled concepts of freedom into people's minds and he did a good job it worked on me and so the idea that somebody should just lie about their belief system in order to get into office just infuriates me well i'm i think that you may be further along than the first i know you're further along than the first time you heard harry brown and i think that uh, rand paul is good on 90 something percent of the issues not good i agree with you that um, many of the the, the, some things that he said while running against this uh you know this this big government republican that he's running against um you know maybe he felt he needed i don't know i don't don't know whether he was uh, you know uh, i don't know what he was doing but i I, you know i don't know what harry brown's message was in 1996 either and it may not have been 100 percent pro-liberty he got you on an issue that's very important to you um and whereas if it was if he was, I've read Harry Brown's book, so I'm pretty familiar with what he what he believes. Right. What I'm saying is uh, Rand Paul got you on an issue that was very important to you. But if he had been more fascistic on some issue that wasn't quite as important to you, maybe you'd support him. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's not I good think enough that for me. for me, on a national level, if they support a state's right to, uh, you, know, a per, uh, you know, people calling themselves a state government, right to secede from the union and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and want to get rid of the Federal Reserve. Fine, and throw in that they'll uh, that, that they want to end a war or two that uh, or you know pull back some level of military back in the United States. I'll take it. Yeah, I see how you are, Mark, and and I understand and I appreciate where you're coming from. But for me, my amount of uh, cash I have to give to a politician is is fairly well, limited. Cash, cash is so, a different issue. I mean, so uh, cash and support. I'm not going to support somebody who's advocating hurting people, and that's what he was advocating. So I, I, that's the important issue for me is are you advocating aggression against peaceful people? And he is. And so I can't support that. But, but you every say, politician does. Well, if that's the case, then I'm not going to support them. Um, it's not true that every politician does. Just because, about. Okay. Well, how many, I'm looking how many anarchist ones. politicians are there out there? Dr. Mary Ruart uh, almost got the uh, Libertarian Party presidential nomination in 2008. Unfortunately, a uh, scumbag, Bob Barr, uh, ended up getting it over her. Now, yeah. Bob Barr has come in the right direction, but very, very slowly, and he's not principled enough for me to uh, to get behind. So I Yo, like, let's I not like make to, the perfect the enemy I of the good, okay? I want to find the right – I didn't say that, Mark. I said I want to find the right candidate. If there's a right candidate out there, then I will support them, like I did with Ron Paul, because he had a pretty consistent principled message – with one or two exceptions, and uh, and so if there's somebody else like that out there, then I don't have any problem, uh, su- you know, getting behind them. I'm not saying they have to be perfect, Mark. They just have to not advocate aggressing against peaceful people. That's my criteria. Okay, more coming up here. Uh, we've got some politician, John Dennis, I guess is his name. I don't know that much about him, but Mark, you told me you think he's better than Rand Paul. So we're going to put him to the test here in a little bit. We'll go to your phone calls as well. Steve is in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Steve. Well, I know we're up against the clock. Let me just spit this out really quickly. Um, I'm starting a business, and I talked with you a couple of years ago, maybe it was, it was a year ago, about how I do boat repair, uh, and the boat repair industry is, is almost totally unregulated. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it is. There's no licensure. There's no nothing like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you live or die by your reputation is how it works. 
And uh, but to but there are quite a lot of municipal that is government owned marinas around, and uh, to get on those to work on the boats, you know, just regular old folks have their boat at the government marina, you know, the municipal marina. Right. And uh, to get on there, I need to have insurance, which you need everywhere. But I also need to have. They told me that I need to have a workers' comp exemption or workers' comp, whatever it is, uh, and then a an occupational license for that county, which is a different county. I'm a mobile service. Uh, so I have to get an op- occupational license for that county. To get that occupational license, I have to show my occupational license from my county, which I was trying to avoid getting, but looks like I'm not going to be able to avoid. Mm. I also have to get a fictitious name. And then to uh, get the workers' comp, I have to be uh, an LLC. This and all this so, just to work on somebody's boat in uh, a all government this just run to work marina. on somebody's boat, and it's probably going to take uh, two or three of my average jobs just to break even after paying for all this uh, government stuff. It's just awful, and I don't blame people for just looking at that, turning around, throwing their hands up in the air, and saying, "Screw this, I give up. I'll just go get a yeah. job again." And it's, it's I, I actually I actually told one of them that you're trying to make it so that people can't be productive. Yep, that's right. And they, they yeah. want to limit competition. That's all it ends up doing. I thank you, Steve, for the call and the thoughts right. tonight at 800-259-9231. We'll see about this politician. Is he everything Mark claims that he is? In moments, Hour 2 is on the way. Thousands of years ago, from the time of Moses to the time of Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, and beyond... TrustedCoins.com brings you an incredible selection of authentic Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine ancient coins, all certified authentic by world-renowned numismatic expert, Ilya Zlobin. Transport yourself to the distant past now at TrustedCoins.com. Take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI, toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Now, we're doing something really unusual tonight. Uh, we're actually going to have two. We've, we've got two guests on the show in one evening. It's it's rare that we have guests on the program, but sometimes when it rains, it pours. And unfortunately, it poured in a way today that made it so we had a conflict with our guests initially in the first hour. And John Dennis uh, was good enough to uh, to be flexible and reschedule here uh, to the second hour of the program. John Dennis uh, from website johndennis2010.com. And, John Dennis, it's absolutely unusual to have a politician on this show. Uh, the last politician we've had on was Ron Paul. And before Ron Paul, I don't think we've ever had a politician on, too many. Uh, on this program. So, so Free Talk Live is not one of those uh, typical talk radio shows where it's every single day they're dropping political names and talking to the senators and talking to the representatives. Uh, I, I tend to think politicians are, are thugs. Hey, John, John, are you there? Yeah, he's there. John, I, th- I tend to think politicians are thugs. What sets you apart from the rest Hello? of the pack? Can you hear me? Hello, John? Yeah, hi. Okay, you are able to hear us? I can hear you now, yeah. Okay, great. 
So was just talking about how we don't normally have politicians uh, on this program, and uh, Mark was so impressed by you that uh, his excitement transferred over to me, and I'm still a little skeptical, so uh, I don't know if this will be your easiest interview. We'll see how it goes, but welcome to Free Talk Live. What, uh, what sets you apart from the rest of this so-called pro-liberty politicians out there? Well, um, aside from the fact that I'm running against Nancy Pelosi, uh, I guess, uh, well, I mean, I've I, been committed to the same things for the last 25 years. You know, when I, when I debated in college, uh, the guys, uh, the Harvard team used to call me Adam Smith because I was fighting for the same things back then that I'm fighting for today. And, uh, you know, I, I made a commitment a few years ago when I got involved in the Ron Paul campaign to, um, you know, to give everything I could to it and campaign for him in, um, in uh, you know, in four states. Uh, went to the Iowa caucus. Uh, caucuses actually spoke on behalf of Ron and um, ran the uh, campaign for liberty here in, in uh, San Francisco County. Um, on the Republican Liberty Caucus. I mean, I'm just committed to the to the principle of individual liberty. There are people out there, and obviously the Ron Paul campaign, as you know, was just a tremendous success uh, as far as fundraising, as far as activism, as far as getting people active and interested in the uh, the ideas of liberty. It was a great starting point for a lot of people, and many of whom who have come even further and done things like join the Free State Project, moved to New Hampshire, uh, you know, began listening to this show, supporting Free Talk Live, and really coming even to go beyond Ron Paul's message to embrace you know a message of uh, voluntary. And, and the uh, the idea of completely getting the the coercive state out of our lives, but then kind of riding on Ron's coattails have been uh, these politicians that call themselves Ron Paul Republicans. But all you have to do is just dig a little bit on their website to find out just how un-Ron Paul-like uh, these people actually are. And when I was looking around at your site, it looked pretty good. Uh, so I, I'm wondering what uh, skeletons you're hiding in your closet. Like You are such a jerk. You know, so so what, what areas do you want to aggress against peaceful people, John Dennis? <laughs> Well, I want to say something that you know that this year when I when I talked to uh, Jesse uh, and the you know, Ron Paul uh, team, they made a point of saying that in this season we want to make sure in the, you know, that you're the first person that we endorse this year, and you can you know, tell us when and where you want to do it. Um, so you know, they, and they have a whole vetting process. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm endorsed by Ron Paul. That's that's I hope that's good enough. Uh, that's good that's enough. good because well there was one little incident recently where i guess he uh, by some deal he cut with the texas republicans had to endorse every single one of them uh which ended up meaning he was endorsing neocons but you're not in texas so i guess uh, that's not a concern in fact where are you running california right but i'm in san francisco i'm in the city of san francisco so i don't think ron had to cut any deals out out here in order to endorse me um what's important to you john dennis i mean you mentioned individual liberty i mean give me some key issues that you're running the campaign on you know, to debt, uh, debt spending, uh, jobs. You know, I, I also try and mix in the the things that I think are uh, that are critical. I mean, I think we, we continue to make the same mistakes over and over again unless we understand, uh, you know, in, in, in a minarchist uh, from a minarchist perspective, what the appropriate role of government is in our lives. And uh, you know, that, that's that's a that's a big enough message to sell to to most folks. And so that that's. You know, so in the specific issues, the debt and the, and the taxes and the spending and the, and the jobs and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, we're trying to use this platform, you know, uh, against uh, Nancy Pelosi, not only the speaker, but one of the most polarizing politicians 
of our lifetime. Yeah, did, platform to, to drive the message of individual liberty. Did you see her poll numbers? We're at nine percent. Isn't yeah. that awesome? <laughs> she's 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 fluctuating between eight and eleven. Eleven is a good day. Now, John, are you are you the qualified Republican candidate, or are you still running in a primary? I am uh, running in a primary. I'm running in a primary against a uh, a, a devoted uh, neocon, mm. and um, you know, and I'm I'm, I'm uh, suffering all the same you know, typical attacks that that guys like us do against folks like that. So, but you know, the good news is that I, I've actually done some some legwork and managed to connect with the Republican Party in the last couple of years. Um, and the, uh, the the party, for the most part, has endorsed me. I have every uh, every officer in the Republican Central Committee has endorsed me, and um, you know, a local former police chief who's a prominent Republican endorsed me. So I've done that kind of legwork too, because I thought it was important to do that. I worked on Ron's campaign uh, briefly in 1988, uh, you know, stuffing envelopes for him when I lived in Chicago when he ran as a Libertarian, mm. and I saw the difference between 1988 and 2008. You know, in 2008, he ran as a Republican and used the platform to launch a movement. So I thought it was important to make sure the people in the party, you know, knew my Republican bona fides and were comfortable with me, so that they could move forward in endorsing me in this in this primary. Let's take a, let's take a deeper look here at uh, John Dennis on on the issues, and we're going to choose. Uh, you know, there are going to be some some I guess tough ones. What may, what may Let be me tough go for first. You. Go ahead, Mark. Federal Reserve. I think I've got to jump off in 20 minutes. Okay, good. <laughs> John, I'd also like to point out before we go any further, I've already uh, donated some money to your campaign, and I can count on one hand how many politicians, uh, especially na- na- how many national politicians, I've donated money to. I'm honored by this. I'm, I'm the first, uh, you know, candidate on since Ron Paul. You've actually donated to my campaign. I, uh, I don't know what to say, guys. I'm overwhelmed. Okay, now ask your question. <laughs> okay, Federal Reserve. What should we, uh, what should we do with it? Start with the audit. Ultimately, move to a free market of money by uh, by um, using the Hayekian uh, method of uh, uh, or, or a suggestion that we uh, we um, uh, stop taxing uh, precious metals, both sales and capital gains, and enforce those contracts in, in, uh, in precious precious metals. So, by a free market in currency, you mean that the uh, the United that the United States government and no government should issue its own fiat currency? Absolutely. Well, I'm not. I can't speak for other governments. I live here. So uh, in this government, I would say that we uh, we move to a free market of money and let uh, let the let the private market uh, furnish you know, deliver the uh, monies like uh, like any other commodity. How do you feel about the military? Well, you know, from my perspective, limited government perspective, I think it's an, uh, you know an appropriate role of the uh, of the uh, federal government and that it should be uh, you know used uh, as uh, you know retaliation and uh, or unless uh, there's an imminent threat. So do you feel like the military is just the right size? Should be bigger? Should be smaller? Oh no, no much, much. No, it has to. I mean, we we can defend this country in a, in a much different way, a much smaller. And on my website, I've talked about uh, the steps we need to take to start uh, start uh, reevaluating our overseas bases. Seven hundred well, plus military bases around the world. I think it's close to a thousand. Really now? So closer to the, I've always heard the seven hundred. So well, let's say yeah, count those forts too. Over seven hundred. This, this is a position. Incidentally, that I'm being attacked for. I bet. Here. I bet you are. Now, so, what, how many bases would John Dennis close? Well, I, I, I think that the, the number isn't really the way to look at. It. I think <laughs> I think each base ought to ought to justify its uh, its own existence based on how well it defends the American people. And you know, I, I'm not so sure that there's a case for 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 those bases, but I'm, I'm willing to, to walk through and listen to each one. 
Um, you know, the Constitution was written in an 18th century world, it's the 20th century, 21st century now. Let's see, uh, let's see which, which ones the, uh, the military and uh, foreign policy establishment thinks we absolutely need in order to defend this country. Sounds a little political. John Dennis, we're going to bring you back. Can you stick with us? <laughs> I will. All right, more with John Dennis. If you got a question for him, we'll try to get it in here at 800-259-9231. I say shut them all down. All right, more coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. What do you want to control the airwaves via the toll-free number? Brought to you by SACL CAI. It is 1-800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Shrine of Female Listeners is there with dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of this program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. See it for yourself. And if you are a lady listener, you can become a Shriner. Shrine.freetalklive.com. If you're an undergraduate, undergraduate, graduate student, or uh, recently graduated, check out the Institute for Humane Studies Summer Seminar Program. They have 11 different seminars in cities all across the country. Uh, they provide meals and housing. I think that the seminars are a week long in, in general. The deadline for registration is March the 31st. Go to libertarianseminars.com. That's libertarianseminars.com. All right, 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for John Dennis, pretty rare that we'll put a politician on these airwaves because uh, I tend to find them despicable. But, Mark, <laughs> you were pretty excited about this guy. You said he was even more principled than Rand Paul, uh, who is... Eh, relatively principled, but not even a. Sh- I think he's a pale shadow of his uh, his father, Ron. So you said that uh, that this uh, John Dennis comes pretty close to uh, to Ron Paul. In fact, John, you shared with us that you actually were endorsed the first candidate, uh, I guess, for 2010 to be endorsed by Ron Paul. Was that uh, did I interpret that correctly? Yeah, yeah. I think that it was the first one in the year 2010. Got it. Um, and I think that's when his endorsement season started. All right, so we were getting into some of the uh, the issues with you to uh, to see how you felt about them. How about the war on drugs? Yeah, I'm not a big prohibitionist. Um, Just a I little prohibitionist? <laughs> and I'm not even a little one. I, I think people should be able to do what they want as long as they're not hurting anybody else. And if two adults want to have a transaction between one another, it's up to them. Excellent. What about let's talk about uh, the idea of adults transacting? What about the drinking age? It's 21 in most places. I mean, uh, I don't know if that's. It, I guess that is a national issue to some extent because the uh, National Highway Driving Association, I think, crammed that down a lot of states' throats. So, how do you feel I about think it's that? All of them. Yeah, I think we should reduce that. Well, I, I think I think ultimately it should be a state issue. Mm. Um, but um, but you know, personally, in my own state, I think it should be reduced. I mean, you know, you can you can uh, you know enroll in the army, join the military at 18. If you're adult enough to do that, you should be able to do, uh, you know, you should be able to consume alcohol. Now, there's a lot of talk that is buzzing around, and I'm very, very pleased that it is, and I hope that it continues and gets, uh, you know, more popular. But the idea of declaring independence, or uh, maybe the less popular word, secession, how do you feel about that? 
Well, I think that the, you know, we're supposed to have these checks and balances in the federal government, and of course the federal government is way out of balance now with too much emphasis on the executive. Let's keep saying that, you know, what, what, what holds the, the federal government back? You know, what's the balance, uh, the check and balance against it if it decides to, to, to grow, uh, you know, beyond its constitutional constraints? And the, the answer, of course, is the state's rights. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited that we're starting to see, um, you know, we saw the baby steps of the states pushing back with those Tenth Amendment resolutions. And now I hope this, uh, you know, these, these court cases, are, you know, are really push back. Ultimately, I have to say, I mean, I think if the if the Supreme Court comes down on the on the uh, on the wrong side of the of the rule, I hope we uh, of the law, I, I hope that um, they consider taking a, a much stronger position as they would have to a Supreme Court opinion prior to the Civil War. Now we're talking to you from New Hampshire, uh, where the Free State Project is based, where hundreds and soon thousands of like-minded, liberty-oriented people are converging upon in order to uh, to achieve as much liberty in their lifetimes as possible. One of the things going on up here, as we've been, one of the reasons why we uh, we ended up with the conflict in our first hour is because so the activists here are doing uh, engaging in civil disobedience and uh, in non cooperation, and obviously you're somebody who's going through the uh, the system and the political channels in order to uh, to attempt to affect change. Uh, but there are people up here who have essentially just burned out completely on the system, rejected it, uh, decided that that was not the way they wanted to go. How do you feel about uh, the alternatives in this movement, uh, John? Civil disobedience, do you think there's a place for it? And, uh, you know, how do you feel about it? Oh, absolutely. I just don't have the courage for it. <laughs> well, that's an honest free. statement. I can, take, I can take on Nancy Pelosi, but civil disobedience, you guys are at a much higher level than I am. In fact, I was keeping tra- track of that, that one episode where the guy got arrested, your friend there. Um, which one? <laughs> yeah, which one was which, when we... they went into the courthouse uh, looking for the sign that says, no cameras allowed. Ah, Sam from ObscuredTruth.com. Sam, I am. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That, uh, was, uh, that was fascinating. Yeah, I was actually yeah, just in that. You just have much more courage than I do, so. Well, th- it's easy It's easy to to have courage when you're surrounded by other people that are su- are supporting you and are willing to back you up and show up at court trials and things like that. In fact, that very same courtroom lobby that he was arrested in, uh, I was there today. One of our activists was on trial for a um, for marijuana possession, and, of course, he was found guilty and also found guilty of resisting arrest. Apparently, when you go limp and allow you know gravity to take its natural course, that's considered resisting. Uh, that's what he did. Now, John, I'd like to point out, though, that... That you have put a great deal of time and money, and um, when you and time is money to some extent. I mean, you could have been doing things to earn money to to enrich yourself, and you know, buy a yacht and and you know, nap lazily, um, uh, you know, on that 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 said yacht. So I have to say that the what you're doing in order in just running for this office takes us a matter, uh, you know, an amount of courage too. Well, you know, Ron Paul. I mean, I'll never forget that moment between him and. Uh, Rudy Giuliani down in South Carolina. I mean, it was like a veil was pulled down over my over my face. And I think in that moment he launched a uh, you know launched a movement. It was like a nuclear fusion, and it lit so many lights around the country. And I think each of us you know takes that light and tries to illuminate the you know the the the, the darkness for a lot of other people. And in, in our small way, we're trying to do the same thing here. So one of my objections with Ron Paul's campaign, uh, one of my few objections, was his position on immigration, which he seemed to have changed since 1988 to be more pandering uh, towards the people that uh, support crackdowns and support a police state and support checkpoints and support all of these, uh, you know, government mandatory IDs and all this uh, police state stuff that's cropping up around the idea of immigration. Uh, how do you feel about uh, people coming here and making, uh, you know, living better lives for themselves without having to ask the government's permission first? Yeah. 
Well, this is, I have to say, I'm mostly in, in, uh, in agreement with Ron Paul on this issue, although I don't, of course, agree with the national ID and the checkpoints and all that other nonsense. I think you can, uh, you can, uh, you can uh, have uh, control over who actually has legal status here without having to violate everyone else's uh, uh, you know, rights. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a little different view, I'm sure, than you guys. I see this as sort of we set this up, this island of freedom, and um, you know, we should uh, be able to decide who actually gets to join the island. Yep, I'm going to have to disagree with you there, but we're not going to have time to uh, to get into the nuances <laughs> of it, obviously. But why not uh, Why not go with the states, uh, states uh, having control over that rather than the federal government? I mean, that yeah, would be a little is, bit more I, decentralized. I understand, I understand that position, and I think that there's that, that quasi uh, uh, bit in Article One, Section Eight, that sort of gives the federal government the uh, the the, um, the right to uh, to handle uh, naturalization laws. And I guess, and I understand the argument back and forth that it's a little confusing. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that if you're going to have national borders, that it's the federal government that's got to be responsible for it. Well, I uh, support the repeal of national borders, and uh, I support the repeal of the federal government. So me too. But, um, it, it doesn't change that uh, you know on this on this one particular issue, Free Talk Live, the, the the two hosts here tend to deviate strongly with the vast majority of Americans. So. Well, because immigrants have been painted as uh, as the bad guy, and that uh, that there's something wrong with not uh, jumping through whatever arbitrary hoops uh, the government people who are total strangers uh, put up for them to jump through. If I want someone to come here and uh, want to help them and allow them to make a better life for themselves, I should be free to do that. JohnDennis2010.com is your website. John Dennis, thanks for taking the time out to uh, uh, you know address some challenging issues here. I'm honored. Thanks for having me. Good luck me. with your campaign. Thanks for the Cheers, call. Bye. We're coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Maybe we'll get to the chance to get to the email from Barack Obama. I've got that to share with you. It's about the whole healthcare thing. We'll talk about that if we get a chance. But, of course, your calls are the primary element of the program. You may dial in at 1-800-259-9231 and bring up anything, 800 800- Two five nine ninety two thirty one. As uh, we continue here, by the way, I want to tell you that the website features our wiki with over two thousand pages created by listeners just like you. Head on over to wiki.freetalklive.com. You can edit virtually anything you see on the wiki. W i k i wiki.freetalklive.com. Why would you want anything other than the best when it comes to personal protection? Go to tiger.freetalklive.com and save up to one hundred dollars on the Tiger Light. T100 non-lethal self-defense system. It's proven to be the most effective non-lethal personal protection device in the world, as effective as a handgun at close range. It's TigerLight, tiger.freetalklive.com. Ian, you, uh, I see your Tiger Light's out. Did you take it uh, when you went to New York City? Yeah, it was with me uh, in New York City. Yeah. Yep, you were safe. Tiger.freetalklive.com. Well, safer. Safer, yeah. 800 Could a piano drop on your head. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Jeremy is in Alaska. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, guys. I just wanted to take a second before I get to my comment to say I appreciate all the hard work that you and others are doing on this liberty movement. I mean, uh, especially since 
this health care thing passed, I think things have heated up and maybe have brought us all closer together, either that or made us, you know, like acknowledge each other more, you know, or think about each other more than ever. I mean, because things are going straight down the pooper. I don't know. The healthcare thing know. just seems... I, I realize there are a bunch of people out there making a big deal out of this, but it's uh, just another tyrannical piece of legislation, uh, one in a long line of many, many, many. So it's well, yeah. it Dude, it's like, going to destroy our economy at some point. Well, it seems like they're purposely trying to bankrupt our economy, and I had a dream last well, night. they've been printing out money. That's been destroying like the economy, too. Let him go. Uh, I'm not trying to sound like Martin Luther King or nothing, but... Uh, you know, like I had a dream or nothing like that, but, uh, you know, and it, and it was like they ripped off everybody for four years, and then the economy went belly, I mean, America as a whole went belly up, and they come on TV and say, sorry, suckers, we don't have the money. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the same thing with the banker bailout, you know, it's like they're just going to rip us off for a few years, and I think then the country's going to go bankrupt and no one's going to see a penny of anything and then they're going to bring in the martial law and shortly afterward possibly a uh you know one world currency but you know i i, I don't, don't know. know how their their government's even going to how they're even going to be able to afford it i mean there the debts uh, as i understand it i think it's six trillion at this point i i don't know i don't have it pulled up right in front of me but i i'm probably low not high i don't even know how they're going to be able to afford it jeremy to to, to, to roll tanks in anywhere well, i don't know how they're going to get fuel for them well even if they how can they collect that much money in four years you know try the the numbers are astronomical, you know what I mean? You try to think them all up and the different tax variations, but I just don't see where in the heck they think they're going to get that much money to cover 30 million people. And I think they're trying, like I said, I think they're trying to bankrupt the economy on purpose, and this is just another insurance-slash-banker ripoff, and they're going to steal all the money. And it's going to yeah. go insurance company. But what's new? You know, own. that's why I just you know don't find this really that shocking. What's new? They've been stealing money from people. They've been printing it out uh, like there's no tomorrow, and they've uh, been doing all kinds of things over time. Of course, the government's been in control of healthcare for a long time. So for the these conservative types to act as though oh god the sky is falling now we have tyranny now it says <laughs> twelve tr- trillion. I, I don't want to sound like a fear monger or nothing, but. I would suggest people not pay into any of these taxes and invest in beans, bullets, and Band-Aids instead. Right on, Jeremy. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I haven't had beans in a while. Maybe I'll have some tonight. More coming up here. Uh, Your calls about whatever you want. We'll go to Tom in Maine. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Tom? Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I just wanted to ask you a follow-up question about the interview you just had. By all means. Start talking. I'm sorry, what? By all means. Started to sort of veer off into border policy and immigration and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I know it's sort of a, a nice libertarian position to be for open borders, and I'm not against the idea necessarily in theory, but in reality it seems like it's not a workable answer presently because, I mean, how do you – and I think mostly about people that may come here and bring disease – and things like this, or have no no understanding of sort of private property rights and and the the way that our society would operate here. And so it seems to me there's an interest in 
as the as your. Those guest are two said, separate issues. Let me. Um, I, I, who who comes and goes, uh, or not necessarily goes, but who comes. Right. Um. I, I I get it, and I I have been on this side of the issue. I I understand where you're coming from. I just wanna I wanna take them separately, if I may. So diseases, uh, leprositic, uh, you know, uh, TB resistant Mexican zombies coming across the border. Um. What is stopping them from coming across now? So you, they, 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 they put in their piece of paper, somebody takes a TB test on them, they find out, holy crap, you have antibiotic-resistant uh, tuberculosis. You can't come in. What stops uh, you know, Juan and, and, uh, and Pilar from sneaking across the border? It's, that's a, you're asking the wrong question. No, no, I'm asking you reality. I mean, currently, if they have t- disease-resistant tuberculosis and they want to come to the United States— they're going to come, right? Well, they may try, sure. And they do. That's 20 why mil- we need helicopters, 20 million, Mark. 20 million of them have been successful. How many... Well, they don't how have many, TB. How many border <laughs> ninjas and heat-tracking um, uh, flamethrowers do you want to put up and pay for in order to stop the handful of people, really, that might have leprosy or, uh, dis- or antibiotic-resistant tuberculosis or whatever? Right. I think you're asking the wrong questions, though, because you're presuming that the Border Patrol people are actually trying to patrol the border, which obviously they're not. And how would you make the Border Patrol people actually try to uh, – how would you make bureaucrats work harder? <laughs> well, I'm not sure that it's about making bureaucrats work harder. What's it about? But, you are well, slippery. I think, <laughs> I, think the idea, I think the idea that there can be competent law enforcement people who actually protect and preserve liberty is reasonable. And so the idea that the every, of people, every person, every wait. law enforcement individual is necessarily some kind of gangster well, is is not reality. Well, I don't think we I don't think we portray that on this the show. We try very hard not to portray that. However, um, the well, I think you can get a real border patrol agency is what I'm trying to say. So oh, you're going to you're going to gut you're going to gut the border patrol agency as it exists. Are you going to are you going to throw out customs too? ICE. Uh, Department of Homeland Security. Where are you going to cut? Where are you going to stop? Cut them off and then hire a whole new set of bureaucrats. Where are you going to do that from? From what level on down? I'm for. How about abolish all and start from scratch? What, well, so why, what do you want to abolish them all? Why bother putting them back? This is the point of why I called. Is that I think there's a reasonable case why it's a good idea. I, I'm telling you that I don't believe with liberty, property rights. I, I think that it, I think it's the Republican fantasy that you can put. Um, you know, border ninjas out there that will actually stop uh, people from coming across the border. And I'd like to I'd like to make a point to that. The second nation behind Mexico, where people come from, and, and maybe Honduras is in, in vying for this nation, but at least second, maybe third nation is China. You can't build a wall uh, that is as effective right. as the Pacific Ocean is. Yeah, no, and they listen, still get I, over here. I understand what you're saying, and I, and I I think we the point is. Nothing. It can't be done perfectly at the border, but it can't the, even be close. Side, it's the second right, country, listen, the dude. The side of the coin is, then all you have are your own private property boundary rights, and every basically what you're saying is anything that anything is fair game to go on. So you up think to it's, the edge it's of my worth, own land. You think it's worth dropping billions, um, hundreds of billions, or trillions of dollars on trying to stop it? No, I think those are obscene amounts of money. To, those are the kind to... of monies. We're, those are the kind of numbers we're talking. No, about. if you put him in charge, he'll do it for five million bucks. Hey, uh, we'll bring it back. We can keep talking about it. Hang on, Tom. Yeah, we got. An, you have another issue that I need to address. Yeah. Well, was the other? What was the other point that? Uh, well, I was going to think about it during the break. It was. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to make a note here. So don't yeah, he'll tell us. So you don't remember what it was, do you? I, I will remember. 
I'll remember. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hopefully he'll remember for you, Mark. More coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? You can do that by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Now then, critical thinking question. Why would something that is so good for us, like public education, need to be imposed on us with the use of force? And funded by the use of force. Maybe something else is going on. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of public education. You can visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. That's schoolsucksproject.com. As we continue here, Tom is with us from Maine talking about the issue of immigration. It came up uh, earlier in uh, the hour and he wanted to get in a little more uh, to more detail. So I'm more than happy to do this because I think this is one of the most important issues of our time, especially because so many people, they just don't get it. Uh, they've been led to believe that immigrants are, uh, you know, violent or dangerous or somehow bad for the economy or all kinds of just nonsense out there is being spread about people, people, human beings who most of whom just want to come here and make a better life for themselves. But unfortunately, there's this massive bureaucracy known as the federal government uh, that demands obedience from them, that demands cash from them, it demands all kinds of paperwork from them just so they can come here and uh, improve the quality of their lives and, by proxy, improve the quality of all of our lives because more people coming here lending their talents and their skills and their labor into uh, the marketplace in America makes everything better. But uh, the, the things we have to say are run counter to a lot of the common beliefs out there about immigrants and immigration freedom in this country. And so Tom is on the lines, uh, and, and we were getting into it here about immigration and the border control and all that. And Tom, you had said something to the effect, and Mark, we did figure out what uh, what he'd said. We'll address that here in a moment. But Tom, you'd said something about, well, what you guys want is uh, just for the your border to end at the end of your private property. And yeah, that's that's right, because private property works. If you want to allow someone on your property or into your home, you get to choose that. So if you don't want somebody from, uh, if you if you want to live in a neighborhood that's all private property with other people who are like you, if for whatever reason you don't want anyone from Argentina to come there, you can do that. And if I want people who are Argentinian to come and uh, and work for me or live in my house or whatever, I can do that too. What's wrong with that? Well, absolutely nothing. And I guess that's my point is that if I want to, you know, make a deal with my neighbor that we're both going to look after each other's property and nobody comes on the property that doesn't have permission by him or I, uh, then that's a legitimate agreement. And so that I'm simply saying, well, let's expand that to the town level if my town wants to do that. We can. But now it's not legitimate anymore. State wants to. You've already lost legitimacy because with there's no way that your town could want to do something unless 100% of the people in that particular political designation would agree to it. Otherwise, you've lost legitimacy and you're forcing your viewpoint, you're forcing your way on your neighbors who don't agree with you. Well, 
I, I suppose perhaps it would depend on how it was done. I'm not actually violating any of their rights by simply saying, hey, we're going to have a keep an eye on who's coming into town, uh, this sort of thing. Well, you do when you uh, require enforcement to me to pay enforcement. So um, first off, the United States government was set up by, well, a minority of people, and um, a, an amount of people were forced at the point of a bayonet to uh, to comply, and some of them were, uh, you know, basically genocide was committed on a portion of them, um, in order to set up this government. So to claim that because this government was set up, even though it was set up by force, um, it makes it legitimate. Essentially, Tom says that it's okay for me to shoot you and do whatever I want with your property because that's legitimate, <laughs> right? I'm not sure how you got that or that. Well, what my view is, is on this particular government or the one that started the well, United you, States. You, All I'm saying is, you were border you're extrapolating it out, is, right? You, I get. I guess if that's what you took, I, uh, that's what you took. All I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is my point, which is that I don't think it's necessarily anti-liberty to have some kind of a, a collective border patrol agreement. Whether it wouldn't be. It, you're right. It wouldn't be anti-liberty. Level. It would not be anti-liberty if you could get 100% of the people inside of a nation to agree on it. And if it's a good idea, you well, should be wants- able to get them. Well, who wants these MS-13 gangsters in their neighborhood, or, or who wants all these? So you want to you kick know, out sick, anybody sick who's been? You want anybody who's coming from Africa or whatever else? You want to kick out anybody who's been convicted of a felony out of out of the country? I'm not sure when I said anything about kick somebody out. Well, I mean, if you don't want MS-13 people in the country, and I can understand, I'm for that. Um, I, I don't want I don't want criminals here either. But my question is, I, right. I'm trying and to I apply this in an even fashion. If somebody is a criminal, a United States criminal, should we uh, propose to keep them afterwards? After we, you know, say punish them for their crime, should we kick them out of the the country, or should we kick them out from the beginning? Um, I mean, if you don't gonna, think you can kick people out, that's a ridiculous idea. It's, it's like it's, you know what. And why I, and why I, is that? I can make it very simple. Why can't I kick it's them like out? It's like these. It's like these morons that say, "Well, if you don't like the country, leave," as if I can just force my way in somewhere else. That's obviously preposterous. Well, wait a minute. Can we point something uh, something out that should be obvious here? The MS-13 members, if they're gang members, are likely dealing in drugs and prostitution and gambling and guns and other things that are prohibited. So, in the absence of prohibition, what happens to MS-13? Most likely they would dissolve, which is exactly what should be done, but okay. it's not, and this is all, which is, a, you know, a side So, so we're topic. talking about... Right, a- but you're living in the fantasy world that we can actually do something about immigrants coming into this country without uh, without getting onerous on our own uh, citizens, and if so if you want to live in that fantasy world, I can live in the fantasy world where, <laughs> well, then let's get rid of, um, let's get rid of the, the forced, uh, me forced, being forced to pay for other people's education, for their medical care, for their, uh, you know, food and all the other uh, welfare programs that are out there. Right. I mean, if you get your fantasy world, I get mine too. Now let's jump back to his other thing. Which that one's he brought, better? Let's jump back to the other thing he brought up that you'd wanted to address, Mark. I want to make sure you get a chance to here. Uh, he, his point was that one of the other points he made that we didn't address was that well, the immigrants may not believe in private property. They'll get in here and they'll vote Democrat. I don't know that's, if that's what he said. No, that's not what he said. But that that's that's sort of the characterization of the argument that as um you know as it's well, maybe made he just thought they general. were going to set up a tent on your land. What did you mean by that, Tom? Well, I mean, I think there are people who are born into cultures that are quite dramatically different than the one that the three of us are looking for, and that simply allowing these people to come and go 
freely, I think, is uh, can be a, a, a serious threat. A threat in I mean, what this way? Can completely undermine. What, you're going to put these people on a jury? Of, this is a jury of your peers now. Well, I, I, mean, I, I have a real problem with people have. I have a problem with a, a great deal of the uh, the institutions in this country as they exist today. And I don't think that those people are qualified to be on juries to uh, to judge in some cases. Some of those people are not qualified to be on juries to judge me or you or, or, or whatever. But um, I would like to point out that I think that um, that, you know, people that that take this stance tend to ostracize and alienate um the the immigrants so they end, end up going to the other side so basically yeah. basically what i'm going to say here is the republicans hate the immigrants more than the democrats do so the immigrants tend to vote democrat when they get the opportunity to do so so um in in their uh, resisting you know uh, mentally psychologically resisting the idea of uh, free people being able to cross borders freely they drive them into the arms of the socialists also i think the idea that immigrants may not understand private property ignores uh, reality because I, th- I think that somebody that makes a statement like that probably doesn't know too many immigrants uh, because a lot of the people that come here are coming here because they're having their private property violated and their freedom violated in the places in which they used to live. And they'll get and, a chance to see how it works if we actually did it. Right. And uh, a lot of the people that come here as immigrants are more likely than native immigrants are more likely than native-born Americans to be entrepreneurial and to start their own businesses. And you know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to understand something about private property. So uh, the people that are coming here, I don't think are like you might believe that they are. But nonetheless, it's not an excuse well, to uh, to restrict people's freedom and to steal money from people. So what I really am interested in, Tom, is having <laughs> you explain what your Border Patrol would look like. Because you said you wanted to slash and burn. You wanted to come in, tear out these government agencies, and start from scratch. So I'm just wondering, can you do you have a vision? Uh, so what What is it you would like to see? Well, I mean, I suppose, how, I mean, how do you provide security anywhere else? Well, anywhere else, usually like a building Private or a small security? area that uh, that you have some ability to have some level of uh, control over. So I don't know right. if you can extrapolate that out to uh, you know two thousand mile border or whatever. Well, it's just a larger scale version of any other any other property well, security it, that you It's doing. not things it's don't not about scale the secu- easily. It's not about the security. How do you want to fund the security? Well, and it's all bureaucrats too. So there's that factor. Do you want to hang on and tell us about your vision, Tom? Because I'm curious. I'll stay if you'll have me. Yeah, I'll definitely have you, because I I always like getting vision from the people that want to uh, control other people. Let's see what he has to say. It's so impossible to make work. Nobody's been able to do it so far. Tom can. Tom knows. We'll find out what Tom has. He's got a vision. We'll find out what it is here in a moment. 800-259-9231. You can dial in. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Hour 3 is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. 
filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. into the third hour of the program. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We're going to continue a conversation that we started last hour about immigration and uh, border patrol, etc. Freedom of uh, human beings to be able to cross imaginary politically uh, designated lines in the sand. We've got Tom on the line with us in Maine. Tom, are you there, sir? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, you are somebody who is on board with the idea of the government controlling uh, the access uh, to this uh, particular land mass by whatever arbitrary methods, but you aren't satisfied with the way they're doing it. So what you had said was... Who could be? I mean, they're making a mess of it. Well, of course they do. Now, you, what you had said was you wanted to wipe out the Border Patrol and wipe out these uh, government enforcement agencies and start from scratch. So I wanted to make sure you had time to explain what you meant. What is your vision? What would you like to see happen as far as uh, that particular area of uh, control is concerned? <laughs> well, yeah... You're trying to frame it as I'm controlling other people, which is which I reject. But I think oh no, you'll hire you'll hire other people to control other people. I'm sure. But go ahead. No, nobody's being controlled. Really? really. How can you keep uh, people from crossing imaginary lines in the sand without controlling somebody? Well, again, I can't. Uh, somebody's free to walk in my yard, and I'm free to shoot them. I mean, if Whoa. you want to say I'm controlling their behavior, don't you think that's a little uh, extreme uh, to shoot people who are walking around in your yard? I don't know if he's running at me with a gun or a knife and he's that's looking a, to do harm. That's an entirely different scenario. That's, that's a lot different, yeah. Well, so we're talking about peaceful people. Let's let's talk about peaceful people coming here because you have to presume work. you have to presume right. people are and I'm peaceful. I'm all for that. I'm all for that, which is what I started off saying at the very beginning. I'm I I don't I'm not trying to say that nobody should be allowed to come here or whatnot. Hmm. I th- all I'm saying is what that I think, saying? and I didn't even actually say I don't think that it necessarily has to be a government function to provide border security, simply that the idea of having a collective border somewhere, again, local, state, or federal, is, there's no difference in my view. Well, I agree that... Um, Theoretically, but, and that it's a, it's a legitimate idea. Uh, well, I, I agree know, that somebody can... reasons for it. That you can enforce a border as long as you have unanimous consent of the people who uh, are, live inside that border. I'm fine with that. Now, let me run this by you and see what you think as far as uh, border enforcement in this scenario. What if we got rid of welfare, uh, public schools in the sense that you're forced to fund them, um, you know, the, the, the mandate that, uh, that hospitals have to give medical treatment to anybody who walks through the door and, does, and they know can't pay, and... Um, you know, obviously, I think many of them would give treatment if they, um, you know, if somebody was in a tra- uh, traumatic, you know, situation. But you, you got rid of all the government mandates that essentially require uh, people who uh, people to support other people's bad decisions. What do you think about letting uh, free people cross free borders then? 
Well, I think there'd be a lot less people trying to come here, but I still think it would be a wise idea to keep an eye on who those people are. But if if we get back up for just a minute, I think you inadvertently made my case for me earlier. We we were talking about jury, and you said somehow or other, and the point was if anybody could come here, then all of a sudden anybody is your peer and, for example, could serve to judge you in in a criminal court, for example. And you said, well, no, because certain people wouldn't be qualified Oh, so I don't think that I don't think that most said, people who I don't think most people who sit on juries I don't care whether they're American or uh, Mexican or Chinese are qualified to judge me as my peer. I think that the um, that it, rather than a jury, rather than being a, a microcosm of the democratic system, is in fact more of a, a scientific uh, uh, study in in how uh, groups get individuals to bu- buckle to their will. Well, this. This could be the case, but the bottom line is if if somebody is and somebody is not going to be qualified for this position, then somebody's doing the qualifying, which basically amounts to somewhere along the way you have to identify people, you have to find out who they are and and, and what they're all about to figure out where they where they why do they you know, do that do, do we are we finding that out about our citizens i mean are I, that's what I don't understand. Is um, you you think that because they come across the border that we need to track them, but we don't need to track our own? Then no, I think somebody who's been my neighbor for twenty years that I know personally is quite competent to be a peer of mine, and and, and that's a system that I consent to. I think I there's a lot of idiots in this any world. Any individual dude. among the six billion on planet Earth to be qualified as my peer, I don't consent to that. Well, I don't. Con- that's I don't consent, I do to consent to you. I don't consent to your neighbor being my peer. Well, that's that's. Uh, that's up to you to give. All Tough I'm saying S, is that huh? It, Tom, I don't have to. Can we go I don't back? Have to track can, and trace people in my neighborhood. Can we go back to your vision? Because we never really got to that. What is it that you'd like to see? Because you made some sort of allusion to the idea that well, you didn't think the government had to do border enforcement; that that could be done some other way. Well, in any other format, it would be a private piece of private property, like a you know neighborhood association or something like that, where everybody agrees to a certain set of rules. The government gets involved when not everyone agrees, and they force their way on others. So, what would you like to see, Tom, as far as uh, so-called border protection? Right. Well, like you know, I mean, my idea is that some reasonable attempt can be made, not. Perfect, just like my house isn't Fort Knox. I mean, it can be broken into the same way the border security could be breached. But I think you can do some combination of people and technology and minefields and whatever it is. (laughs) Holy crap, minefields. You know, people bring their kids across those, dude. Well, and that's the point. I don't think they would anymore. And that there would be certain uh, legitimate ways to come in. And people are welcome to come. What if I I don't want to pay for it? Okay, then I suppose you don't have to. Right. But I consent to that. What if I, I own a pro- like piece of property? What if I own a piece of property on the border? And I'd like to point out there isn't a DMZ along the United States border. People own people own pieces of property that actually span the border. What if I own a piece of property on the border and I say you can't put no mines here? Well, I guess if you own both sides of it, then that's your. You're you're right, and and I would respect that, and I okay. would have to go to your neighbor, I suppose, and work a way around it with I, people who who. It doesn't sound like you have a workable system. Don't, you you don't, don't have a workable system. Don't you think that's insane? Putting mines uh, <laughs> down to try to blow peaceful people up? Because I'm going to let the Mexicans through at ten dollars a head at my <laughs> property. Yes, it's un, it's a bit ridiculous, but that's but the the the. The whole discussion is turning a bit ridiculous because the whole thing is going to hinge on my the feasibility of my whoever I am 
uh, plan to come up with a technical way to. What makes you nobody think can come up with a plan that doesn't really, real that doesn't spend an extraordinarily large amount of money and, destroy and fail every time. Don't forget destroy because, freedom with yeah, checkpoints and crap. Right. Don't forget. Don't forget <laughs> that. I mean, roving checkpoints. You got those in Maine. I'm not. Well, actually, we yes, do, do. Unfortunately. Yeah. Isn't I'm that not, cool? I mean, the I'm way they stop that. you and say, "Y'all papers, please." Y'all papers. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I don't want that crap, dude. I want it to stop. And the reason it's going on is people that say, oh, no, it's disease. It's, it's uh, you know, a, a drug-resistant tuberculosis. Or it's, uh, they, they might be coming here to take, take welfare. Jobs. Whatever it is. What we need to do, we, what we have a problem with in this country, is we have a government problem. We don't have an immigration problem. We have a problem here in the United States of America that Americans have created, not Mexicans. Tom, your final thoughts. Uh, I, I just I think somewhere somewhere in society, y- you know, people have to identify themselves, not necessarily. Yeah, like when you, you go know, open a bank down account the street locally and have papers all the time and twenty four seven. But somewhere along the way, you know. Yeah. Well, I think other most employers have, have would to like have that. An ability to know who you are. Yeah, I think most employers want to know who you are. I think most banks would like, you know, to know who you are, and they would ask people for those things wherever it is that they're coming from. And we'd You're have certainly free not going to give anybody a loan we, we'd have, um, without knowing who they are. We'd have free market methods of identifying people. I'm all in favor of having uh, ways to know who it is you're dealing with because I think reputation is very important. In fact, I think that in a society in which reputation is important, like a free market society would uh, would have it be, uh, that uh, there would be, I think, a focus on making sure that you are who you claim to be. Otherwise, if you uh, weren't able to prove who you are, then people would be less likely to be inclined to do business with you. I mean, you might be able to show them enough cash to make them not care, uh, but then they won't care because you're paying in cash. You can, buy, you can buy privacy with cash. Yeah. Thanks for the call tonight, Tom. Appreciate hearing from you, and uh, thanks for staying on with that uh, extended conversation. 800-259-9231, because I think it's so important. People don't understand this immigration issue. They, It's just another well, enemy the state has created for you to hate and to, for you to be afraid of, just like communists way back when. Just like, you know, just like, it's just like that. You can't Except have, these ones are brown, so they're easy to spot. You can't have freedom until you let other people have freedom. Yep, that's right. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line in tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, you just need to click and download. They're all completely free for you right there on the front page of the website at freetalklive.com. So how soon do you want to start teaching that special child of yours child that's special to you not you know special in the way that is politically correct these days <laughs> about the ideas of liberty i figured i couldn't start soon enough with jack an island called liberty is a picture book for children and i read it all the time to my son it's kind of like uh ann Rand meets dr seuss it's a simple story graceful rhymes and uh, beautiful illustrations on every page will make it one of any child's favorites. Go to freemarketunderdog.com and see some samples and order today. It's a 10% discount for listeners of Free Talk Live when they use the coupon code FTL, an island called Liberty, at freemarketunderdog.com. 
800-259-9231. Bring up anything. We continue with your phone calls. Paul is in California on the amp lines. Hello, Paul. Hi, Ian and Mark. How are you doing? Hey, super. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I, like uh, maybe uh, many other people, was concerned about the arrest recently in Nashville, New Hampshire. So I I called the the non-emergency line of the the Nashville PD, and I had quite a a surreal conversation. I, I asked them if they, you know, firstly, why they were arresting people who weren't harming anyone, and if they said that they were enforcing the law. And I asked, you know, well, do you have your own conscience? Do you do you have your own moral sense, or you just do whatever the politicians say. I mean, for example, mm. if uh, orange juice or Big Macs were illegal, would you arrest people for that? He said yes. And then I asked, uh, so so what if it was uh, illegal uh, to be black? Would you arrest people for that? He said yes. Wow. <laughs> and then I asked. We get them. We get. We've so had them on the show and... say the same thing. Uh, it, it's absolutely. <laughs> you know, if we've asked uh, uh, law enforcement officers on this show that come in and say, "You know, not all law enforcement are bad," we'd say we, we we'll work them along a little bit. But at some point or another, we get them to say something to the effect of, "Well, yeah, if the Jews were were here and I had to gas them, I'd do it. It's my job." It's crazy, crazy. So, what was the other thing you asked? Go ahead with your story. Well, I, yeah, I just, I, so I said, so you would go ahead and reinstitute slavery if, if the politician said so? At that point, he kind of, like, realized, I guess, where he, he what he had been saying and said, oh, you'll have to call back some other time. <laughs> oh, crap, I'm getting off this line. <laughs> wow. You know, uh, so some people I, I are recording their calls, have... actually. You're, you're talking about calling Nashua's uh, police department in, uh, in protest of or in support of our, our activist friends up here who have been arrested over the past few days at the 420 celebrations. A number of people have been calling. In fact, I was over at copblock.org. Uh, Pete Ayer, who we had on the show last night, apparently made a call. I have not listened to it yet, but uh, he actually recorded the call and put it up on YouTube. So um, that would be kind of an interesting aspect if you happen to, uh, you know, the next time you, you or somebody listening, Listening uh, makes a call to a, to one of these police stations that are that are holding peaceful people in cages. Uh, record the phone call in case you get some sort of gem like you did. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea. Unfortunately, I didn't have the presence of mind to do that. But uh, I, I encourage people if they have questions about this to they, the not emergency line at the national PD is six zero three five nine four thirty five hundred. And uh, just you know to to ask. You know, kind of try to get people to think about this and, and ask them, you know, what's going on with this? Because uh, we need we need people working in police departments that have minds of their own and consciences of their own. Yeah. Um, you know, I, That'd I think be nice. it's frightening to have a bunch of drones just kind of going around doing whatever the politicians say. It absolutely is. And uh, so thank you for that story. Anything else you want to share tonight? Uh, no, that's it. Great, Paul. Hope you'll be uh, coming out to join us in New Hampshire someday. Are you a free stater by chance? Uh, I am, yeah. I, well, I'm so, actually, I'm signed up as a friend right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I may go ahead and sign up as a participant. I'm a New Hampshire native, actually, and so it's kind of a oh, strange wow. thing. I'm, I'm actually kind of juggling whether it might be more helpful to show up and be able to say, no, I'm not a new uh, free state participant. I'm a native, and kind of act as, as glue. But I, I like to tick the numbers up too. So very good. Well, we'll kind see of, you soon. Here's my recommendation. Sign up for the Free State Project. The the list is completely private, and never tell anyone you did. Sounds good. Very good. Thanks, Thanks for the call. And you can still say you're a native. Thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, I mean, how can you not be a native, right? I mean, can they take that away from you? Right. Let's continue. Ladies come first. Jane is listening in Charleston to WVTS. Jane, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Can you hear me okay? You bet. What's on your mind tonight, Jane? Okay. Well, I have been trying to educate my liberal friends about the health care law. 
and point out things like Obama, Pelosi, and Reid have exempted themselves, their families, and their staff members now and forever. I would like to point uh, out that I am exempting myself. <laughs> Wonderful. Are you becoming Amish? <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm just exempting myself. Yeah, the Amish myself. are exempted, by the way. No, I'm a sovereign individual, so uh, I exempt myself well, from the entire federal government. But the thing is, the talk show hosts that I listen to have have suggested that a persecution may start. Persecution? And two of my liberal friends now are calling me a liar and a racist. I am neither. So why are they calling you a liar and a racist? They say that I have lied about what I have written, what I have blogged online, and actually I've broken contact with one of them because someone who repeatedly calls me a liar is not my friend. The point is that it has been suggested that the Tea Parties, I'm a libertarian, Mm -hmm. but the Tea Party members, libertarian independents, who will not let go of the issue of liberty, uh, are going to be portrayed as racists and crazy people. It's easier than it's easier than discussing the ideas of liberty. Absolutely, and it and is. The, and the and the uh, the thing about throwing a brick through a congressperson's window, I would just as soon believe it was a teenager who did that. I haven't heard about this. What I haven't heard it? about it. I imagine there are a lot of people that are very upset with the idea that, well, they, that they're trying to enact force and violence against us in the form yes. of, of, he, of re- requiring people to, to have health insurance when they don't want to have it. Well, so the, the idea F- that somebody would react with violence doesn't surprise me well, when they're having violence used against them. We don't well, support the, it, but it doesn't surprise the Democrats, me. Democrats... Um, have called the FBI and the Capitol Security Forces because people are leaving the messages like they are a piece of dung. Mm. Only they did not say the word dung, sure. and I heard this played. But people are angry, and the Republican leadership says to take that anger and put it to constructive use. Uh, I believe we are going to have a second American Revolution that will be peaceful. It will be held at the ballot box. Well, the Republicans aren't peaceful. I mean, they, they're no more peaceful than the Democrats are. I'm not going to count on the Republicans peaceful. for my revolution. What they want to do is they just want to have people go and vote for them so they can come in and force their government programs down our throats like they've been doing and like the Democrats are doing today. So I'm, I don't think that anything is going to change uh, well, you know, significantly how, in Washington, D.C. this year. How or, can you choose for whom to vote? If oh, I choose I not to vote for federal people. I know that I don't want to vote for the two Democratic senators who both ignored me. You don't. One you just deleted you my email without reading it. Yeah. You know, I, I I agree with you um, that it, it is difficult to know who to vote for. Which one of these dastardly criminals do I want to throw my vote in for? And I, I think won't. the I think the answer is is that you have to do much more than voting if you expect to see any kind of change. Absolutely. Well, really I did my bit for Scott I Brown. I blogged for Scott Brown. Yeah, that Brown. hasn't done. Well, Sorry, it's the best you can do. That's not the best you can do. Well, it's hey, something. Thank you it's for, doing something. Jane, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. a lot of people you. do. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Your Republicans will not save you. They will institute tyranny, too. That's what they did, remember? On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. 
We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Franks, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's in with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, including our webcam and chat room, both built into the same page. Webcam now twice the resolution that it was just a couple weeks ago. And chat rooms, uh, I made the chat room size on the page a little bit larger, too. So head over to cam.freetalklive.com. That is cam.freetalklive.com. Like everything else on our website, it is completely free. And from creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism, you'll find more pro-freedom activism than you ever imagined possible, likely. When you move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, I have to say, it's better than I thought it would be. The, the the things that are happening up here, I always had imagined uh, mass marijuana kind of uh, events, marijuana civil disobedience, but I didn't imagine it like this. It turned out better than I expected. There are more people involved in ways I never imagined happening. So it's really just an amazing – that's just one aspect of the movement. The, uh, the political things that are going on here are pretty amazing. Uh, they give me hope to believe that there might be actually a chance for change with the political system. And, of course, all the civil disobedience and the media that's being created here is also great. I mean, we New Hampshire is easily the hub, the, un, I think, undisputed center of the media creation world for the liberty movement. We've got TV, we've got radio, we've got newsprint, all in one city, let alone the other cities out in New Hampshire, right? Just here in Keene, New Hampshire alone, we've got a cartoonist, we've got uh, Obscured Truth uh, Network, we've got the uh, the Free Minds TV, Free Minds Radio guys, Free Talk Live is here, the Free Keen Press is here, and that's just where we are now. <laughs> Can you imagine how much liberty media there's going to be created Within the next couple of years or within the next few years, there are actually people doing podcasts here as well, which aren't necessarily liberty oriented, but some of them are just creating, they're creating media, they're creating music too. Uh, so it's it's just an amazing movement. Head on over to freestateproject.org to learn more about moving to New Hampshire to be activists for liberty in our lifetime. You think that calling a politician is going to make a difference, as our last uh, caller had suggested? I know she, she meant best. I mean, I know she meant well. I call politicians. I send them emails. You mean New Hampshire politicians? That too. Yeah, New Hampshire and, politicians and, will actually and talk politicians. to you. A New Hampshire politician will actually talk to you. Actually, you can call... If you want to get involved in politics here in New Hampshire, you can call a politician here, the, the so-called yeah, they representatives. Put their, their home numbers up. You'll, yeah, you'll reach them in a home office. Their kid will like, ah, hello, you know, is, wait, is your mommy there? You know, <laughs> that yeah, really, that's a conversation you'll have if yeah. you call enough uh, representatives. And uh, that can happen here, but it, everywhere else, you know, you get their you get their age, you get the bureaucrats, and you're lucky. If More you likely, that would be a grandchild that you would talk to. Yeah. So uh, so come on over to freestateproject.org, learn more about the Free State Project, get involved, and get your butt up here. All right, Darren, we'll continue with your phone calls here. Ladies first, Carla, listening in Ohio. Carla, you're on Free Talk Live with Ina Mark. Hi, I think you guys are amazing, and I want to tell you to keep up the good fight. 
I'm not, I'm not fighting anymore, friend. Carla. I gave up fighting uh, a couple of years ago, and I'm just I'm just going to live free, and whatever happens, happens, and I'm going to support other people who are living free because I think that uh, fighting is is it's a commonly found term within the uh, the liberty movement and within movements for change in general, and I think that it's a, a very negative term. I think that uh, that fighting just brings more fighting, and I, I don't want to fight. But I, I, used, but I used it for keep, a long time. Keep, oh, I, spreading, keep spreading the word. Like there you go. We can do, I can do that. Okay. I'm fairly, fairly good doing at that. that. So, anyways, thoughts. I was over at my friend's house, and we were talking about the health care. Yeah. And you can check this out. I'm not sure where he got his information from, but our congressman Dennis Kucinich's wife just got appointed um, with Michelle Obama on the diabetes front. So there's the deal. She got she she got what with Michelle? I don't understand. She got appointed with Michelle Obama. How she's doing her diabetes campaign? Yeah. Mrs. Kucinich. Just got offered a major job. I see. So there's the connection. So you can check it out. Um, oh, I see. You're explaining. Your, what, you're explaining why Dennis Kucinich, who at one point was absolutely. against the health care bill, Correct. all of a sudden after a week turned tables and decided to support Correct. it. Correct. I see. And he was talking to his friends, and they brought it up, and that she got offered a job with Mrs. Obama with the diabetes campaign. That explains it. So, yeah. What else? You know, that's that's how politics yeah. works. So you guys, with your media, you can check out. You know, the facts, facts. But you know, we're in the same political genre and discussing a lot of the same issues and things and mm-hmm. i thought i'd just uh, throw it out there thank, thank you for you. sharing that anything else on your mind you tonight carla no that's about it all right for thanks now. for the call <laughs> glad you're out there and i appreciate hearing from you tonight 800-259-9231 you know mark i i heard on i call radio stations for a living so trying to bring more uh, working on bringing more stations here on free talk live you better so be. that means i get put on hold a lot so i hear a lot of the content on these other talk radio stations that i'm yeah. calling and so inevitably what i heard was and i i, I presume this is, to, this is probably to be expected but it was just kind of silly to hear it uh i heard them essentially and i'm paraphrasing some politician on a talk show saying that uh, people are telling people are telling me please save us from this and i just thought wow you know, that's just such a great example of what people believe. They believe that these politicians are their saviors because they've given up. Or at up. least the politicians believe that the people believe that. But No, no, no. He's he's being told that by uh, by people. You know, well, we, that's his we, paraphrase of what they're being. Of the we decision. want you to save us from this. And people going to politicians, asking them to do something, is begging. And it is asking them for relief. It is asking them, please, let's just let us be a little more free. Please give us some freedom asking, back. I don't think asking a politician to vote one way or the other is begging them for anything. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I think it is begging because these are people who have relinquished control to the politicians. They've given up. That's just a loaded word. Their, well, you can relinquish control if you wish, or you cannot. And you can ask a politician to do a certain thing or not. But those two things are okay. not connected. Okay, I agree with you there. If you've relinquished control and you're asking politicians, then you've uh, then you're begging. Right. Yeah. Because you've given up your autonomy. You've given up your ability to make decisions for yourself. You've given up your ability to make uh, to control your own uh, direction in life and to make a stand for what you believe in. If you're asking politi- if you're begging politicians and you've given up control, you are not standing for what you believe in. 
you're subverting yourself. You're submitting yourself to their jurisdiction and to their control by asking them to help you be a little bit more free. Roll back that government program. This is too much tyranny, sir. Please stop this. Not I won't another do lash the whip. I won't do anything to put myself in any sort of, uh, at any risk to, uh, you know, to actually attain freedom. But I will ask you, and I will ask you again. You know, that's just that's the way things are in America, where where people either aren't doing anything at all or they're just trying to uh, to co- uh, coax the system into letting them have a little bit more freedom. But, well, you, you guys still need money. So take some money from those people over there. You know, I don't have any problem with those people uh, getting uh, fleeced, but as long as it's paying for my programs. But now they're creating a new program that I don't like and I'm very upset about it. Please hey, save me, Mr. Politician. So I just kind of thought that was interesting. 800-259-9231. It's just uh, a statement about the way things are, and I wish it were different. I wish Americans had some cojones. I wish Americans had the courage to actually stand up for what they believe in. How many of these people that are so upset about the health care package thing that went through, how many of them are so upset that they're actually not going to participate? How many are so upset that they're going to stop paying taxes? Because remember, it's the IRS that's going to enforce this, right? Yeah. So how many of them are so upset that they're actually going to take real concrete steps to avoid uh, being a part of this? 1%. 0.1%. Let's go to Ma- uh, Mark in Charleston listening to WVTS. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and another Mark. Hello? Hey, Mark, you're on the air. Hey, uh, I just had a uh, kind of a question and a comment. Um, one I I've never heard your all show before, but uh, I was thinking about ignorant people and uh, about how they vote when they don't even know what they're voting for. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and that's how, that's how some of this stupid stuff gets passed as well, because these people really think they're being proactive and doing something great by going out and voting. They're not educated on what they're voting on. So it's, what good are they really doing? It's true. Uh, they're, they're not doing good. And, the, of course, the system is also rigged. So even if they were, even if they knew who they were voting for, they would probably realize they were picking the lesser of two evils, in which case they're voting for evil. If you've got further comments, well, hang on to you. You can come back. 800-259-9231. Don't want to give you the short end of the uh, end of the segment's stick. There's one more segment remaining, the remaining moments. It's your t- uh, time for your calls, if you make them. take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free, even in these remaining moments. Enough time for your call at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. Got a lot of features. We give them to you. If you enjoy the program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can help promote the show. There are a variety of different ways listed at promote.freetalklive.com. That's promote.freetalklive.com. And, uh, you know, many of the talk radio shows out there are recommending that you buy gold as a hedge against inflation or investment or even a barter currency if things go really bad. Well, uh, Free Talk Live recommends the same thing. But um, not only that, we're going to uh, make an offer to you that's probably lower than all the rest of those uh, those shows out there. You can go to gold.freetalklive.com and uh, take a look at some of the coins that I've picked out, hand-picked out myself, um, it, to offer to you so that you can get uh, gold and silver in your hands to use for these very reasons. It's at gold.freetalklive.com. And if you are like I have been in my lifetime, at least at some point, not so good at putting money away for savings, 
call this number um, that I'm going to give you here and ask for the layaway program. You can do a certain amount each week or every other week, whatever's convenient for you. Uh, you should get 20 coins at a time. The shipping's better at that at that point. It, you'll have to play with the computer model just to see which because different coins are different sizes. And um, but anyway, about 20. Call 877. 877- 857-9938. It's 877-857-9938. It's Midas Resources, the company that puts us on the air, and uh, they'll give you a great deal. Gold.freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231. Continuing with your phone calls, Mark, I believe, is still there in Charleston listening to WVTS. Mark, I want to make sure you had a chance to get all your thoughts out, so uh, do continue. At least I think he's still there. Mark, are you with us? Guess not. He's gone. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Last night, there was a fairly heated discussion uh, that uh, that took place. We had Mike Barsky call in one of the uh, the New Hampshire Liberty activists up here who is uh, also known as Cop Bait because he just seems to get pulled over a whole lot more often than other people. And there was some uh, some back and forth between you and I, Mark, about how uh, Mike had handled a situation where the cops... And it happened twice. Mike Barsky was pulled over twice in a two-hour period as he was driving through Kansas in his motorhome. And both times, something similar occurred. So they clearly have a pattern of something that they, they do uh, to people that they're on their, when they're on a fishing yeah, expedition. Yeah, they've, they've got something. They, they, they don't like motorhomes or something. They uh, Well, motorhomes could be loaded to the, the gills with uh, yeah, drugs or something, right? So they they basically told Mike that he was free to go. Like one at one point he got a warning, at another point he got a ticket, and it was at that point that he was told, "You're free to go." Mind if I ask you a few questions? And the debate on the show was about whether or not he should have asked or answered those questions, whether or not he should have stuck around. I was saying, "Get the hell out of there." They told you you're free to go. Just walk away. There's nothing that can benefit you by answering their questions. You on the other hand were a little ambivalent, Mark. You weren't sure about that because you thought that maybe that something good can could happen of uh, you know, appeasing the officer and and answering the questions because you were par- paranoid that if you were to just get back in the car, they'd go get you again. And, uh, and th- let's not forget that he had five grand in the vehicle, and they very well could have carted his butt off to jail, as they do in these situations sometimes. They very well could have. Uh, nonetheless, I say don't give them the chance by sticking around, because what the cops are, are trying to do is they're trying to find a reason to uh, to get you for something. They're fishing uh, for something. They want you to slip up. They want you to mention something. Uh, they want you to uh, incriminate yourself. And indeed, uh, I was validated here in this email from Jason at Sakel CAI, Jason Osborne. He He's also it, the producer of uh, what Never Get Rated by uh, Barry, Barry Cooper. Cooper. Barry yeah. Cooper, who we had on the show just a couple weeks back. Uh, you can go back on our. You can go to our guest page and you can download our interviews with Barry Cooper. He's a former narcotics officer, a former cop who's now turned good guy. You can go to NeverGetBusted.com to learn more about him. Not but, to say cops are bad guys. I didn't say I didn't say that. He's uh, he's joined the side of good in that he is working to end the war on drugs and he's working against uh, bad cops with his new efforts, Cop Busters, which is a a neat little program he's put together. Anyway, uh, Jason relates, if you watch Never Get Busted, Barry advises that this mind if I ask you a few questions trick is how he used to nail people all the time. It's kind of like how if they can get you to open your front door, they can weasel their way inside. His advice is that as soon as you have that ticket or warning in your hand, you can leave, whether or not they say the words. As soon as you start talking to them after you're free to go, they're going to be tearing apart your car. 
Jason says, I make sure all of my employees watch those DVDs, never get busted, never get raided, and they have reported multiple times that this tip has saved their butts. One of them actually had a duffel bag full of weed on the back seat at the time. Anyone who didn't know any better would be sitting in a jail cell for years to come. So backing my side of the story up that there's no benefit that can come from answering questions of the police, especially well, after I'm not saying that you've been told I, I, you I can wouldn't go. Be, I wouldn't be willing to say that there's no benefit because I think that there could have been a benefit in the specific Mike Barsky's incident. But I will not uh, stand in the way of experts who uh, you know seem to know what who likely know what they're talking about. The, the perception that you have is the, what you're suggesting there is based on speculation of what the cops could might have done had he decided to leave. Yes, and I'm telling you that being away from the cops is safer than being next to a cop. I uh, don't disagree, and I think you might have had a probable cause uh, situation if the uh, cop decided to pull you over and de- decided to shake you down. But that's uh, this way, Barsky is he's free and he has all the money that he had with him when he started. 1-800- it worked. That's all. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, but it may not have worked because of the reasons you're, you're saying it worked. It just right. happened to work out. I, I agree. I, I see the problem. All right. So uh, let's see. What else can we uh, point out to you here uh, the, in the remaining moments of the program? Probably too short to get into this email from Barack Obama. We'll have to put that off here until uh, a little bit later on. The uh, last Marine um, in the Haditha killings uh, has been basically did, let, let go. Um, What's this? The Haditha killings? Was that where they raped the 14-year-old girl and murdered her family? No, this, was family? The, uh, this is the deaths of 24 Iraqi c- civilians in the Haditha massacre. Oh, boy. Uh, there were... It was, a, it was a squad of them or something like that. Uh, it, seven of them were let go. One, um, you know, one was found not guilty. The last one finally has been uh, the, dro- the charges have been dropped. So essentially, you know, I'm not I don't know what I'm like. I'm not going to I don't know what would happen. I'm not going to claim what happened. I'm, I don't know any of that. But I do want to point out that when you've got a situation of war, people are far, far, far less responsible for their actions. And in a situation where you make somebody a government bureaucrat unresponsible, um, irresponsible, not responsible for their actions, you are going to get disastrous results. In the case of war, I understand why you would not make a government bureaucrat responsible for their actions. Um, uh, You know, I, I can see why in the haze of war, civilians would get killed. However... The fact is the government uses uh, the the, the hammer of the standing army on far, far, far too many nails. Oh, here's an update for you, um, by the way. We've been talking about the crackdown that's been occurring up here on the uh, Liberty against the Liberty activists here in New Hampshire, uh, in specifically in Nashua, over the weekend, arresting three people. Tuesday, arresting Sovereign Curtis, who we interviewed in the first hour of the program. He got out of jail this evening. Uh, one, two arrests for marijuana, one a felony, one a misdemeanor, one for uh, for disobedience or whatever, or resisting arrest, and uh, I guess disorderly, so-called disorderly conduct for standing in front of a police car. And the other one for standing in the road with a video camera. I'm not sure what they ended up charging uh, Catherine Bleich with. But there's been quite a crackdown, and uh, it's been really tyrannical in uh, Nashua. Today, at the 420 celebration, the police showed yet again. However, no arrests were made in this particular incident. They showed up 
kind of chatted it up with some of the people there and demanded that they turn off their bullhorns. So now they're changing gears. They are. I don't know how much cannabis was being smoked today, so maybe they just didn't see that happening this time around. Uh, but they did come up and threaten the uh, the activists who had bullhorns. They came out there, I think, twice to threaten them. The video footage, I think, we'll probably put up here in a little bit over at freekeen.com. But I I guess they're asking for a bullhorning at the Nashville PD or something like that. No, nobody's really come up with any concrete plans, but when you tell these activists not to do their activism, it doesn't tend to go over very well. Now, in this case, the folks that they did approach and uh, asked If you can't stop, use a bullhorn in a public park, yeah, that's where, where they were. can you use a bullhorn? I mean that's really the question. I'm not I'm not fond of bullhorning. I, I think that uh, that people tend to, to to dislike it. But if you can't use a bullhorn in in the middle of a public park, where can during the you day. Dur- yeah during daylight, where can you use it? Exactly. So they came in the over- middle of your property if you have eleven acres. Eleven acres, yeah. <laughs> so they came over to uh, ask them to stop. Well, of course they didn't just ask. They told them they would be arrested for. Their favorite, disorderly conduct, if they continued using the bullhorns. And so I believe the activists did stop at that point, but I don't expect that it will stop for long. So we'll let you know what continues to develop here as the activism movement in New Hampshire continues to uh, get larger, get more people involved, and get more exciting. And you can get involved by going to freestateproject.org, learning more about it, getting signed up as either a friend or a participant, and getting your butt to New Hampshire. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Okay, so uh, this is a, a special edition of, uh, we'll call it Free Talk Live, Edgington Post, we'll call it whatever you'd like to call it. Um, it's, it's an interview that, uh, you know, I kind of, we're, we're here at the Liberty Forum 2010, and this is Mark Edge from Free Talk Live with you. And I kind of got this idea, listening to the, these two gentlemen, that I'd like to throw out a question and see what happened. Um, the two gentlemen I've got with me is Lee Doran from Bureaucrash.com. Lee, say a little bit. What about you? Oh, well, I'm a crasher-in-chief over at Bureaucrash. We're a liberty activist organization out of Washington, D.C. And I think that's basically all the information people need. Excellent. And uh, Charles Johnson, you're from the Alliance of the Libertarian Left. And you guys are a bunch of anarchists, so you don't have any titles, right? <laughs> well, you know, you can uh, uh, you can call me Dear Leaders are <laughs> every, every man a sovereign, right? So Excellent. So. So, um, guys, I'm going to have to ask everybody to get off their mic a little bit. Can you, Paul, can you uh, adjust the, the volumes here? Because I've somehow got it, uh, I'm redlining. Yeah, let me see. Where is the... Uh, Let's pause it for a second. All right. All right. Yeah. Just adjust this. Is it recording? Yeah, it's recording now. Okay, great. And um, so the, the question I have for you two gentlemen is... Now, Lee, I guess um, you're coming from sort of the the right end of the paradigm on this one, and um, then Charles, you guys are coming. You're co- kind of coming from the left. Is that correct? It partially correct. My my uh, general con- not really concern, but disagreement with with Charles is the purpose of using phrases like left and right are to be descriptive to people to explain to them. Uh, what your political beliefs are without going through and saying you know a, a laundry list of things of which you believe. And using the phrase that libertarians are left, I think does the exact opposite of what those phrases are intended to mean. Uh, in general, my, my understanding is that you have one end of the spectrum where it's no government 
And on other end of the spectrum, it's the maximum amount of government. So if you can go down the spectrum, it would be monarchy, oligarchy, democracy, a re constitutional republic like we have now, and then anarchy. Um, and there were people that first called themselves you know, anarchists, but they certainly weren't on the right end of the political spectrum, which is true. But they were voluntary socialists. They, they actually experimented with this. Uh, they were known as the CNT uh, in anarchist Spain and the Spanish Civil War. And they were voluntary socialists. But in practice, they, they demonstrated the oxymoronic reason why you can't be anarchist and socialist at the same time. Because if one person wants to have more property than the next person, someone will come down to your, your home and say, you've got too much property. We're going to collectivize it. So it just didn't work, and so that's my general disagreement with calling it left. So Charles, um, I guess the question to you is, uh, you know, is is libertarianism a right or a left philosophy? Uh, well, so my argument, uh, as you might guess from the fact that I'm a member of the Alliance of Libertarian Left, is that I view libertarianism as a uh, as a movement of the left. And the the important thing at at this point is simply to look at what the the left right spectrum means and. Um, so if you look at what the left-right left spectrum means, you know, in historical context, it is, I think, exactly the spectrum that, that uh, Lee was describing, that you have the spectrum from the monarchists, from uh, people who believe that uh, government is ordained by God Almighty, right? The, the well, that's what they want us to believe. I don't know that they necessarily <laughs> believe that. Um, Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Sure, sure, no problem. Um, and this is and this is stuff that was going on in the context of you know post-revolutionary France. This was originally a seating chart uh, in the French National Assembly, and as it went from right to left, you'd get more and more anti-authoritarian, more and more anti-state, more and more individualist. Now, um, on the specific question of the uh, of the CNT and sort of the anarchist experience in general, I would argue that the CNT is actually a, a very odd. Um, example to choose in the first place. Certainly, it's an example of people who were anarchists, but, uh, and they were anarchist socialists in particular. They believed in, in a, a voluntary form of, of socialism. However, the reason the CNT collapsed was not because of, of sort of an internal failure of voluntary socialism. It was because they were simultaneously attacked from the outside by two of the superpowers of the day, by the, the phalangists uh, backed by Nazi Germany and simultaneously by the Republicans who were backed by uh, Joseph Stalin. Um, and so, I mean, this is clearly an example of, of you know, why an anarchist uh, community needs to worry very seriously about problems of self-defense. But in terms of, of the actual practices that went on in Spain, there are many things that I would disagree with, many things that I don't think are proper translations of um, anarchist ideals into reality. but. At a fundamental level, the, the basic ideal that they, they were trying to uphold was one on which communal ownership of land and, and communal participation in that uh, was on a voluntary basis rather than on a coercive basis. Uh, those who didn't want to participate in the commune were allowed to withdraw. Now, no, what, what, happened with the, what happened with the CNT, and the, thing, the, the great irony is anyone who, who was at this conference who would consider themselves a volunteerist, um, they're almost a new, totally new movement recently over the, if you'd say recently, over maybe the last 50 years. Um, the, the first people to call themselves anarchists were, were uh, basically socialists and people who disagreed with them um, on the, they basically viewed property as, as theft. And they would go and just kill people who, who disagreed with them on, on that issue and they would steal their property, which demonstrated in practice why voluntary socialism is, is uh, 
oxymoronic because you have to have everyone in that movement agree with your socialist philosophy. There is no individualism. Now let me get to your point on where it started with the French, uh, you know, where you had left and right seats on, on both sides. I totally concede that Bastiat sat on, on the left-hand uh, side of, of, that, of that spectrum, but what you had on the right is almost non-existent to this day. It's basically a view that the um, aristocrats and people within a bloodline, they should get um, they should get certain rights and the, there was no view of equality under the law. Bastiat believed in equality under the law and then what happened was is that you had leftists and the farther left socialists uh, from him arguing that well actually we should have equality of outcomes. So what you have now is a situation where the people who are much further to the left than Bastiat, the leftists of today, um, essentially created a situation where we believe in equality of outcomes, and Bastiat spent his life uh, attacking those people. So I think to the now deci decide now to call yourselves left uh, does nothing else than to obscure and make it more difficult to describe what it is you actually believe. Okay. Uh, well, so there's two branching conversations here, and, and so it's going to be kind of uh, uh, difficult to, to proceed with both of them and, and figure out how to do that. Um, on, but perhaps they can link in. So, so on the issue of, of voluntary socialism in particular uh, and uh, the various forms of anarchism and approaches to things like communal ownership and socialistic arrangements, uh, it is, I think, simply false that the first people to call themselves anarchists, certainly there were people who considered themselves socialists, but again, this is a question of what the term socialism means. Uh, it didn't mean state control for these people, obviously, because they're anarchists. Uh, the question is, does it mean some other form of coercive control, right? Does it mean the, the workers' militia coming in and throwing you off your land? Um, there were elements within the CNT in the 1930s who did that kind of thing. I absolutely disapprove of that, and I consider that un-anarchist. Um, however, if you look at the people who first called themselves anarchists in this context, the first person to call himself an anarchist seriously is Pierre-Joseph Proudhon, right, in, in the French... Uh, in the French context, uh, sort of, you know, started writing most of his stuff in sort of 1848 and immediately afterwards. Proudhon believed in, um, didn't believe in communal ownership of land in the first place, so this is simply not an issue for him. His position was explicitly in favor of individual ownership of land, individual ownership of, of the tools of production, and as he said, a society based on laissez-faire and a society based on uh, the society of contract rather than status, is what he called it. Um, and there are those in the anarchist tradition who, coming off of Proudhon, um, took his critique of existing statist accumulations of property. So proper, uh, accumulations of property that depended not on honest labor under conditions of laissez-faire, but rather depended on grants of state privilege in the form of state-granted monopolies, in the form of feudal land allocation, uh, and in the form of taxation and, and all these other forms of redistribution that the state has always engaged in. Um, took from that an attempt to critique all forms of private property as a whole, not just uh, uh, property that was purely law-based rather than uh, legitimately labor-based, but also, you know, sort of any form of private property. There are others, uh, and this is the tradition that I follow, who also called themselves socialists, meaning by socialism not opposition to the free market because they said they were for laissez-faire, not opposition to uh, free exchange or to private property, but rather opposition to the practices of actually existing big business under the conditions of statism. Uh, 
So people like, um, for example, Benjamin Tucker or um, uh, Victor Yaros would be another prominent example, Volterine Declare, uh, Dyer Lum, a number of these other people who are absolutely for um, individual ownership, absolutely for uh, free markets, and whose specific emphasis is that for socialistic goals, if you believe that your primary interest is in the welfare of the common person and not simply in state control, the best way to achieve that sense of socialism, what they called socialism, uh, was through the free market, was through voluntary interactions and not through sort of presuming that everybody's just going to go along uh, and if they don't, you'll beat them on the head. Uh, uh, you know, not just presuming that everybody else is going to go along or else you, you'll just beat them on the head, but rather by looking at the specific forms of intervention that the state is engaged in right now on behalf of big business and drawing those away. Well, I think I think you're doing two things there. You're, you're giving two new de definitions for one, socialism, and now at the time you're giving a new definition of of left. Well, you described as socialism, and correct me if I'm wrong, because mm -hmm. it's important to, you know, if I'm arguing against it, I know what of you course. mean. Um, is socialism is essentially, you, you, what you describe is a attack against the corporatism in a sense, is, is more or less what, what you're describing it. And I, I, I don't know of wh where in history that anybody who has attacked the critiques of socialism or anyone who's identified as a socialist would say that that's, that's what socialism is, is, is the just anti-corporatism. Well, do you, I mean, do you have a, a follow-up to that, or do you want me to just jump in on well, that? Well, you just, just, just jump in. Okay. Well, so the simple answer is is just look at Benjamin Tucker on this. So, for example, state socialism and anarchism, how far they agree and wherein they differ, is one of the, the primary statements, systematic statements of his view that he gave. This would have been about 18, um, 1880s that he, that he delivered this. And the specific thrust of the talk is that in his view, so look, I'm not telling you, I'm not trying to tell you how you should use the word socialism today, because you know. But isn't, it, but isn't so the I, point I, I, of I'm saying left and right to be instructive, or to use the word socialism to be descriptive on what it is you mean, so that you can explain it to a wider audience without, well, like I said in the first, the first thing I said mm -hmm. is without listing a laundry list of things that you could believe, mm -hmm. you can just say that you believe something, and anybody who who is familiar with the with these definitions can then say, oh, I understand what that person believes without having a. 20-minute, you know, the 30-minute conversation about this stuff. Well, okay, so so two things. To, to complete on, on Tucker quickly, the point is simply not that I'm trying to tell you how to use the word socialism today. It has a certain set of connotations today, and I can, I can talk in a moment about the context in which it's useful to engage with that kind of language, but first and foremost, I'm just trying to say, look, if you want to talk about um, the background of people who called themselves voluntary socialists, who used this this specific meaning, which was extremely common throughout the 19th century. Uh, I, if anything, it was the majority meaning for socialism during the 19th century, and I could go through and give you the, the uh, bibliography at another time. Um, then you need to understand, you know, not only what you mean by the word, but what they mean by the word, because that's you know that's the terms terminology that you need to use in order to understand their position uh, is what they meant by it. Now, if you're talking with people in the present context. Um, there's a number of different uses for labels, and there's a number of different uses for terminology. Sometimes the purpose of labels is to abbreviate a conversation, and so if you simply want to give people a, a, a quick, exp you know, a quick sort of pointer on on what you believe, one thing you can do is say, "Well, I'm a libertarian." Well, I believe in uh, individualism, radical individualism, or any number of these things down the line. 
There are other contexts, though, in which labels are, in fact, extremely valuable to start a conversation. And as it happens for myself personally, I don't generally use the word socialism in its older meaning. I think, actually, the, the fact that there are so many different meanings of the word in history and also, actually, in common use uh, means that the word often just isn't useful to use on its own at all. But so, so, you know, you can talk about state socialism, you can talk about anarchistic socialism, but I think socialism to court doesn't tell you anything interesting or useful about a person's politics. But don't you find However, it a little bit strange that someone like Frederick Bastiat would make the same criticism of socialism defined as socialism is by most people today, back then? I mean, what he was attacking was what most people would think of socialism today and what most people would think of socialism for the last uh, 200 years. So that's, that's what, I, what I find so surprising, that all of a sudden now we're supposed to define libertarianism as left, we're supposed to define socialism as attacking corporatism, when, and then you're saying that they always believe this. Well, wouldn't, it, wouldn't we expect Bastiat to be then not attacking socialism or attacking something totally different out of, out of the sky? Why was he attacking exactly what everyone ex understands it to believe be now? Well, Bastiat was attacking two different things. I mean, if, if you look at the, the letters that he wrote and the debates that he engaged in, there's the discussion that he has with state socialists, people like Louis Blanc, for example, who believed in not only socialistic uh, social arrangements, meaning you know sort of alternatives to corporatism broadly, but also specifically status means toward that. Um, in Blanc's case, it was you know taxes on the railroad, but also engaging in debates with with Proudhon, for example, the the anarchist. And if you look at the debates with Proudhon, when he starts talking about Proudhon's views and Proudhon's socialism, it doesn't have anything in particular to do with state control. It has to do with interest and, and Proudhon's economic views about the kind of interest arrangements that would prevail on a free market. Um, and so, you know, Bastiat is dealing with a movement in which there are separate wings, one of them a, a state wing and one of them an anarchistic wing, and the, the critiques that he has of each one are different. So, so overall, what... What do you hope to gain by explaining mm -hmm. the, the, your your views by by now saying that libertarians are left? I, know, I think you gave a, a lecture that libertarians were members of the left and that, yes. that type of thing. Because assuming for the sake of argument mm -hmm. that, that you, if, if, even if I were to concede that, which I don't, but if I was mm -hmm. going to concede that, sure. historically you're accurate. Back mm -hmm. then, during mm -hmm. the early 1800s, that's what they they believed. Why now, when almost everybody assumes this is what, what this is this is better a better explanation of what we believe now? Sure. So here's the deal that that I, I was sort of hoping to get to with the stuff about labels. I think there there are multiple uses of labels. One of which is to abbreviate a conversation. The other which is to start a conversation. Um, so there are contexts in which it can be very useful to say things that say par seem paradoxical to people at first glance. The reason is not because there's a value in being confusing. Uh, I, you know, I'm a, a philosopher at heart, and I believe in trying to be, be conceptually clear above all. However, things that seem paradoxical may expose confusions that people have in their common thinking and in their common language. And if people think about the primary political axis uh, being between uh, the right in the sense of roughly the Republicans and the left in the sense of roughly the Democrats, so that it's sort of this tug of war between two statist factions, then I think that that conceals what is ultimately the much more interesting question, which is a question of statism versus anti-statism. And, and I think that a result of this particular way of looking at things has been that many libertarians wrongly identify themselves with the right and with attitudes of 
cultural and economic conservatism in particular, uh, both in terms of sort of like the historical view of trying to recover a, a past that allegedly existed back when, you know, the lost constitution had not yet been lost, um, or, you know, now that we've discovered it under the sofa cushions that we can somehow regain. Um, the, the attitude has to be not to, well, so, so the identification with the right has largely come about because the, the view wrongly is that you've got just this choice between sort of two basically uh, statist options. You've got the statists who are kind of okay with markets on the one hand and the statists who are really down on markets on the other on the right and on the left. If I could jump in real quick. Sure, go ahead. I mean, I started off with basically saying if you start on one end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. you have monarchy, yes. oligarchy, democracy, constitutional republic, and anarchy. What you have in, with the two parties in the United States is you have one, the Democrats, who are literally to the left of the Republicans in the fact that they argue for democracy, where it's majority, majority rule and everything's on the table where we vote for. We will vote on absolutely anything. There are no limits to anything that we can vote for. At least in theory, or at least what many of the Republicans, at least under Goldwater, what they argued is that there, there are limits into what uh, we are all going to vote for as a nation based on the Constitution. By definition of what I just gave you, they are to the right of the of the uh, Democrats. They are not all the way to. They don't take that extra step of eliminating the Constitution, eliminating the laws, and and eliminating the state, which is which is what you advocate for, which is to the right of them. What I've just described to you is a is a spectrum that you can easily describe what it is you're you're looking at, and that's the value of that. Then when when you then say, well, no, we're really to the left, it I think it does a disservice to describing what it is you believe. Okay, um, so. I suspect we probably have some, some fairly dis deep disagreements about how the Democrats and the Republicans actually work within, within the, uh, the system of status politics. Um, however, I'm not particularly interested in defending either party to this debate um, as, as far as that goes. Um, and so what I want to come back to is a question of whether people's picture of the political spectrum that is sort of received through the common wisdom, through uh, sort of political convention, is in fact an accurate reflection of the dynamics of how these debates work. And if it's not an accurate reflection, then it may be worthwhile to try and, and break this up a bit and to uh, create opportunities for conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have. In particular, I think one of the key issues here is the, the question of economic liberties in particular and whether the sort of thing advocated by the Republicans as opposed to the Democrats is in fact an advocacy of economic liberties as against government economic intervention. Certainly the Democrats are for government econo economic intervention and I, I consider their, um, their set of policy proposals to be absolutely ludicrous. It's nothing that I want any part of. Um, but what is often called advocacy for free enterprise, what is often called advocacy for the free market on the part of the Republicans, um, when carefully examined is in fact um, opposition to a small handful of programs that are favored by the Democrats while simultaneously favoring uh, a tremendous amount of pro-corporate privilege in the form of corporate welfare, in the form of pork giveaways. I came from Alabama, so Senator Shelby is uh, one, of the, uh, one of the Republicans that I've had to deal with in my time. Um, in the form of government-granted monopolies um, and sort of systematically stripping away um, a certain set of programs, uh, programs that are intended to, allegedly intended to intervene on behalf of the poor, although I think they actually fail at that. Um, 
while keeping in place the, the much larger structure of the, what Tucker, Benjamin Tucker, identified as, as the, the four great monopolies, the money monopoly, uh, which is government control over the monetary supply, cartelization of banking, the land monopoly, which is uh, government control over the allocation of land um, through processes of, of, at the time it was mainly land grants, now it's also things like eminent domain and urban renewal and all these other things that you know, pro-growth Republicans are just as happy to engage in, oftentimes, as, as Democrats. Um, the tariff monopoly in the form of protective tariffs and the, the intellectual property monopoly, uh, patents and copyrights, uh, each of which he saw as privilege for large corporate interests. And I think rightly saw them as such. And I think that these are things that persist uh, and that are typically actively being promoted by most Republicans who declare themselves as being sort of primarily pro-growth, pro-business, while trying to pass this off as advocacy free enterprise. Now, what is what's sort of the upshot of this? What's all the point of this? How does it connect with what I'm saying about the left? If you identify yourself as being of the left, if you identify yourself using terms which seem on the surface paradoxical, but which actually lead into a conversation about a deeper truth. So if I go around saying, for example, I'm a free market anti-capitalist, which I'm perfectly happy to say, you know, I could come up with other terms. Like I could say, I am for real free enterprise. You know, I'm not for uh, the kind of stuff that you see around with this growth machine. And I could go on and on about, you know, like what they're saying about free enterprise versus what I think real free enterprise is. Um, now, the reaction that I'll typically get from that, I mean, I've tried this sort of thing before. And the reaction I'll typically get from that attempt to pop my views in, in a short way um, and then expand outwards as necessary is that it actually gets kind of a huh reaction. Um, or if not just huh, then um, simply you know, believing that like I want exactly what we have except even more hypertrophic, you know, even more uh, of, of sort of the, the corporate status quo. If I use a term like free market anti-capitalist, what that gets is admittedly confusion to start out with. You get what, why? Um, but because you get what, why, that opens the opportunity for a conversation. It opens an opportunity for a conversation at the specific point of, look, there's a difference between advocacy of free markets and defense of actually existing big businesses. There's a difference between uh, what free enterprise uh, would produce and what you actually see in this heavily status-controlled market. And from there, because you're, you're um, engaging with a confusion that was already there, but that they did not yet realize was there, you're able to begin having a conversation that actually clarifies the so issues let me, and let me draws out the issues. What you just, yeah. what you just described as a situation where I, you have a situation where it's, you have capitalism, mm -hmm. and I think it's really just diverting from what capitalism is. I don't know why you're adding definitions like free market anti-capitalist because <laughs> the, the capitalist is, is not the problem. Capitalism's great, free enterprise is great, free markets are great, they all mean the same thing. You're, you're concerned of subsidies and government giveaways and, and all this type of stuff to corporations as am I, but it doesn't necessitate a changing of a definition. And I, I find such a value in society of clarity that in, in by creating terms and you might feel that you're you're creating conversations, I think you're you're what you're doing is you're creating a necessary confusion with with people that I, I think it does a disservice to mm -hmm bringing people into your view because mm -hmm. you, how do you bring people into your view if they don't have a clue what it is you stand for well but so so I, I 
um, I apologize if I haven't managed to make my view clear to you. I find that my experience is that I don't have that much trouble making my view clear in general. As for the question of whether I'm sort of engaging in unnecessary confusion or whether I'm redefining terms, again, what I'd recur to is, is that I don't think that the definitions of these terms as they're commonly used is all that simple. So let me ask you a simple question. Sure. Um, and you know, this is non-rhetorical, so I'm, okay, I'm, okay. I'm just curious about what your experience has been. Have, have you found it in your conversations um, necessary for you to clarify what you mean when you talk about defending capitalism is something like laissez-faire capitalism, for example? I think generally people assume I mean laissez-faire capitalism when I say mm -hmm. when I say capitalism. Okay. So, and and you can say that there's a spectrum of of, of capitalism where you have one end is laissez-faire and mm -hmm. one end is where you have some government intervention on the way, just like mm -hmm. you know you have democratic socialists in Europe. Mm -hmm. Now they may they may not want total state ownership of everything, mm -hmm. but certainly they on a spectrum they're more capitalist than they're socialist, mm -hmm. and I would consider myself. A capitalist, and I would consider many people in our government presently mm -hmm. now capitalists. But on a spectrum, they might be not as pure capitalist, laissez-faire mm -hmm. as, as maybe someone like you. Okay. Um, well, so sure, sure. And and so, if all you mean by capitalism is just straightforward laissez-faire capitalism, right? In in the sense of straightforward private ownership of the means of production and freedom of exchange. I define capitalism as a system of individual rights, including uh -huh. property rights, where all property is privately owned. And then you you go along that spectrum where is all property privately owned, or is some property collectively owned by the government? Mm -hmm. And how far do you go along the right. spectrum? And, and so, private, you just mean non-governmental, right? Yes. Uh, so it's it's okay if like sort of multiple people own property in common. I take it, it as long as it's consensual rather than yes. governmental. Okay, um, that's fine, and that's you know if that's what you mean by the term capitalism. That's what I believe in. The reason that I asked you about the modifier is that historically this is something that's come up over and over again in the libertarian movement, is that somebody who's defending capitalism, uh, quote unquote, uh, who means by that um, private property and freedom of exchange, has to explain very commonly what I mean is laissez-faire capitalism and to stick this modifier on it because people think of, you know, this, this spectrum and they think of something like roughly you know, what we have in the United States now and especially you know, during, in the context of the Cold War this would come up all the time because you know, it's like what we have in the US now versus what they have in the Soviet Union. Um, but so, so I would argue that in common usage there are simply at least three different definitions of the term capitalism. They're in common usage and are frequently, you know, people will switch around between them or they'll, they'll stick to one but won't necessarily explain which one they mean. Um, and so, so roughly we can divide these up into what, what you say that you mean by it, right, which is simply um, private ownership of property and freedom of exchange, system of individual rights, etc. Um, but this is also used specifically to describe certain kinds of arrangements of the labor market, sort of corporate capitalism as the primary form of economic activity where people are mostly dealing on a cash basis with firms that are managed by, you know, sort of managers in suits. Um, and who would think of something like a voluntary workers' co-op as you know a non-capitalist institution, even if it's operating freely on the free market? So, gentlemen, um, yes. in the interest of making this uh, you know short enough for, to be listenable for folks, what I think uh, I think at this point that uh, we, we've gotten the ideas, and I'd like e each of you to have two minutes to sum up where you are to now. Um, like, I, I think we got where, where you where you were when you started this. I'd like you to sum up where are you right now in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, I think in general, I'll, I'll start with uh, just reiterating what I said in the beginning: is that I think we have definitions that work very well for explaining to people 
where we stand on the issues. I think mm -hmm. if you look at the spectrum from left to right, you have maximum amount of government, monarchy, all the way to, and on the other side you have anarchy. What we've seen in the United States over the last 200 years is a movement from a constitutional republic, which is just not, you know, leaning on anarchy but not quite there, and moving it towards democracy and some people arguing a little bit more, where everything's on the table you can vote for, uh, we're just going to have the majority rule in absolutely every, all aspects of life that are going to be able to steal resources from the minority that don't have that, that protection. So I think you feel that you're adding a, uh, a you're creating conversations by uh, redefining definitions or what you believe is uh, bring back old definitions. I think it's doing a disservice to describing what it is we stand for. Okay. Charles? Sure. Uh, so. I think that there are, you know, obviously there, there are sort of several disagreements which would be very interesting to have, you know, all the time in the world to, to hash out. Um, I think that, that some of the, the key, uh, some of the key differences to highlight would be that um, I disagree that the terms that we have and the language that we use are adequate to clearly explaining what we're about. And I think this is something libertarians actually face, are faced with constantly is the difficulty of even explaining where our position comes from and why you would believe something like that that the terms that conventional political wisdom supplies us are in fact terms that in, uh, involve deep confusions and sort of build in status assumptions from the get-go. And that much of the project of our language has to be to identify, not to introduce confusions um, that weren't there to begin with, but to identify confusions that were already there and expose the fact that they are confusions. And thus by, by bringing out the different ways that these terms have been used and the way that these terms come apart when people try to try to mash them together as a way of getting clear on the fact that that there's an important distinction between for example markets and the practice of big business that we have now that there are important distinctions between um, the the genuine uh, genuine respect for individual liberty and what for example was encoded in um, a document like the Constitution which you know, for, for various reasons, I would argue, had um, individual liberty for a very few, and slavery either, ex uh, either explicit or implicit for the vast majority of the population. And so as leftists, we need to be looking not, or as libertarians, we need to think of ourselves as left in the sense that we're not looking to recover uh, a past like that, but rather to move forward into something that's, that's radically new, uh, a voluntary society which is something that uh, will require a lot of creative work and creative thinking to bring about something new that the world has not seen before. Th thank you. And uh, gentlemen, I want to give you a, just, just real quick in case uh, people have the, uh, you know, they, they want to find out more about you. Uh, Bureaucrash.com. Excellent. And that's um, Lee Doran. Yes. yes. This is Charles Johnson. Uh, my personal website is radgeek.com, R-A-D-G-E-E-K.com. And the uh, uh, Southern Nevada, or I'm sorry, the, the Alliance of the Libertarian Left, the global website can be found at all-left.net. Excellent. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Where are you going? Getting a mortgage without a down payment or just refinancing your home can be tough right now. But if you've served in the U.S. Armed Forces, Reserves, or National Guard, it doesn't have to be. I'm Tim Lewis of iFreedom Direct. After serving in Operation Iraqi Freedom, I now help other vets get their financial needs met. Our team of professionals understands the special benefits under the law for veterans. We have over 20 years of VA home mortgage experience, including refis to VA loans at lower rates. On your feet! 
If you're a veteran in need of a mortgage or interested in a refi for cash out or lower payments, call 888-900-VA-LOAN now or go online to varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com or call 800-900-VA-LOAN. varadio.com.